Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Affirmative Murder is brought to you by Bright Sellers. Bright Sellers is the wine subscription service that helps you find wines you love while making wine more accessible to everyone. By taking their 30-second quiz, Bright Sellers will pair you with six unique and personalized wines that are delivered right to your doorstep. Okay? And I can personally uh, vouch for the fact that they will test your boundaries. Okay? I am on record as saying, I don't really like Sangiovese. I'm not really a dry wine kind of guy, but they sent over a box of wine. It had a bottle of Sangiovese in it. I opened it and, um, my mind, my mind has changed. Honestly, uh, it, you know, it, it is, I think it's a very specific type of wine. Either you like it or you don't, but the idea is that they will push your boundaries and really introduce you to some wines that you might've thought previously that you wouldn't enjoy. And for Affirmative Murder listeners only, we are giving you 50% off your first order from Bright Sellers, okay? By going to brightsellers.com slash AMP50. That's brightsellers, C-E-L-L-A-R-S dot com slash AMP50. You can take their seven-question quiz to get your wine matches and receive 50% off your first six-bottle order. Bright Sellers, discover wine you love. All right, guys, enjoy the show. You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hi, hello. And welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up, friend? What's up? What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. <clears throat> I'm here. I'm alive. Things are going well right now. Sure. Um, Any particular reason, or you just? Just, just everything man. looking Fran in 2021? Yeah, I just, around this time last year, <laughs> I went, next year's going to be great. Um, it's going to be a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a movie. It was Armageddon. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a movie. Not, not the movie I was looking forward uh-huh. to see. It was definitely, 2020 is definitely a movie. It was just, I was hoping next 2020 was going to be a year of just, uh, uh, prosperity, sure. us growing. I mean, we've grown as a podcast. We've yeah. done great things this year. Mm-hmm. I think next year will be better. Outside of all that, yeah, I don't know what happens. Shit show. <laughs> next year, I don't know what happens. Yeah, but I'm just trying to be optimistic, man. Yeah, I can have optimism as far as the podcast goes. Outside of that, I want to make no predictions. Yeah, 
I don't want to. I don't want to sit and say, "Oh man, you going uh, you know, I think everything. T-. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what happens. So I don't even want to speculate. Twenty twenty one could be worse. Let's not even. <laughs> it could, it could be worse, man. Yeah. It could it could be worse. Than, we we're like, oh, twenty twenty was. This is twenty twenty. What is bring on twenty years? Bring on twenty twenty one. It could get worse. Yeah, that's that's absolutely possible. Twenty, the twenties, twenty could be listen, but a me, terrible decade. I don't. Yeah, yeah, the whole, the whole, the whole. Oh man, jeez, all the way to two two thirty, huh? Oh, don't even put, don't even. Oh. Damn. Yeah, it is know. possible. Listen, man, <laughs> I'll say this, and then I want to move on because I don't want us to put the bad juju's out there. Sorry. Twenty twenty one would have to be pretty fucking bad. I mean, it would have to be pretty fucking bad. Kobe Bryant. A fucking pandemic. Yep. <laughs> this whole election cycle. Yep. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know, inner city violence through the roof, guns flooding the streets, people overdosing from this fentanyl. You know, it's all kinds of race shit, tent, racial tension, fires wow. everywhere. Wow. You know, people doing these damn gender reveals, blowing shit up. People losing their jobs. Left and right. Twenty twenty one would have to be pretty fucking bananas. Outside of, let's not think about. The death, cause that's life. It's, it, it, I mean, what what hurts people is, is how yeah, sure. how it happens. I get yeah. that's going to happen every year. We always every year is going to be some celebrity, somebody. That, it's it's some, just it's some, inevitable. Some it's, it's, of, it may yeah. happen, yeah. but also the other shit like a pandemic. Yeah, no, shit like that. That's crazy. Unpredictable. Is, we're, living, we're, we're living in what's going to be in history books. 100 years. I think this is one of those years. Sure. Like the the crazy, unexplainable, weird year that was 2020. They'll be reading about that in 100 years. If we're still here, yeah. you know, if we haven't, you know, destroyed the planet by then, there'll be some kid in the history class, you know, yeah. Ar- Arvis Williams, the the second, some descendant of mine, <laughs> will read about uh, 2020 and how crazy it was. And they'll go, yeah. my great granddad told me about that year. Yeah. And until 2021, when a new president got, no, I'm not even. <laughs> I'm not even going. I'm not going to speculation. <laughs> hey, friend, man, we, we, friend, you know we got some mail. I'm yeah, going to segue out of that. We're going to segue yeah, yeah. out of that. We got some mail. The 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 pack has arrived. Yep. Uh, shout out to Bronwyn mm-hmm. from Saskatchewan. Yep. Okay. From Saskatchewan. From Saskatchewan. From Saskatchewan. 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 All right, got it. Saskatchewan. Uh, Bronwyn came through and laced us with uh, Canadian delicacies. He might be the the plug, man. She. Oh, I'm sorry. She might be the disrespect her. Like I'm that. sorry. Um, first of all, I want to read her card before we even get into anything specifics. Okay. Um, the card reads: It's first of all, it uh, looks like a Yorkshire Terrier on the front mm-hmm. there. It says thanks. Uh, the card simply reads: There's two. There's a piece of of mail within the card as well. So she doubled up on the on the okay the sentiments. It says Alvin and Fran for all you do to enlighten, entertain, and encourage. Mm-hmm. B. Okay. That's one. Thank By the you. way, he like he ripped the package open with his teeth. Well, it's I mean, she sent us a, basically a drug package. It was like super tape. There's duct tape. There's yeah. a box of candy. She took like a candy fruit box and then stuffed that with candies and then duct taped it like it like it was a brick of heroin. Yeah. I'm not even sure it went through the mail. I think she might have like got that into you know, the sea or something. Oh, through the water. Oh, oh, oh. You something. Mean, you, mean, you mean you mean through the jail pouch? Maybe. You think she boofed that? Maybe. Well, then how would it get to your post? You think she came and personally delivered it? It wasn't in the P.O. box. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, wow. We, we don't need to go any further. I'm not, I don't want to expose her tactics okay. you know, on, on live air. Anyway, her letter reads, Dear Alvin and Fran, as promised, here are some samples of the glory that is Canadian chocolate. Mm. I hope you enjoy. I labeled most of them so you are forced to share. 
uh, Bronwyn W. You don't have to do that, but her, her Instagram thanks. is at B R O N W Y N M A Y B. Bronwyn Maybe. Go follow her, and maybe she'll uh, bless you with some Canadian delicacies if you aren't, in fact, from. Saskatchewan. From Saskatchewan. Yeah. If you aren't from Saskatchewan, maybe she'll send you some candy delicacies. I was going to share. No, you weren't. You didn't, didn't have to label. Now, the thing that Bronwyn uh, marveled about the most, I want to try live on air before we get into some serious com- conversation. Because yeah, I cracked mine open already. Sorry. Okay. Well, I couldn't you know, wait. We'll give, we'll give a live review, even though, uh, you know, oh, jeez. Canada really secure, huh? Yeah, use your teeth. It's really good. Jesus. Oh, there man. you go. Oh, Told you. They really care about security there in Canada, huh? Don't really give me to this. I gotta work hard. Um, okay, so uh, Bronwyn really marveled about the Canadian Kit Kat. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to I really want to give a, a live review. Okay. To see if it really is the crack that she described it to be. Yeah. Mmm. Crispy. Mm-hmm. Mmm. What do you think? Oh, hold on now. Okay. Wait a minute. Hold on, sketch one. <laughs> Moist. Mm-hmm. No, okay. No, oh, okay. Delicious, right? That's delicious. You know what it tastes like? Mm. Let me go off mic for a second. You know what it tastes like? Have you ever seen um, those food videos where people make homemade stuff? Like, we're going to do uh, the, uh, the Chick-fil-A sandwich homemade. Yeah. This tastes like a homemade Kit Kat mm-hmm. with only the finest ingredients. Yep. You know, it doesn't taste like just thrown together off some assembly line. It tastes like some care was put into this. Yeah, There's a might, different. Yeah. Put their foot in that. Mm-hmm. All up in it. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, Brahma, you did that. Shout out to Canada. And shout out to Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, thank you, Bronwyn, for that. One, one more round of applause. Do you have any differences, though? In the comparisons uh that think, and a regular Kit Kat? I think American chocolate... Um, has a tendency to taste very processed yes. and almost a little chalky. Yep. And um, like it almost like kind of sticks to your mouth. Like it's like it's thick in a weird way. But to me, my what very I, smooth chocolate. What I got from it is American chocolate. We it, it tastes the same with every candy. So yeah. it's like you when you it's all about what's in the middle of it. So you sure. eat, you just skip. the chocolate's just like it's the just there. Yeah, my point exactly. This the chocolate it's really different. stands out on this. Yep. Yep. You go, oh, whatever the little the little wafer bars on the inside of the Kit Kat, that's delicious too. Yeah, but this chocolate is yeah. very smooth. Yep. Uh, 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 yeah. No, Kit Kat, can't, Canadian Kit Kats, different. Yep. We have any listeners in the Japan type of area, which I believe that we do. Shout out to y'all. I've heard things about green tea Kit Kats. I heard Japan has all the green tea. the year two thousand thirty snacks. Yeah, they wait for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flaming hot Cheeto Kit Kats. I want Whoa. all of it. I want the weird shit. If it's, if you live in a different country. Here in America, we get we have very pedestrian snacks, mm-hmm. and our ability to get to the uh, to the imported snacks are very you know it's hard to come across. You got to go to like specialty stores that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you want to be a, a great affirminator like Bronwyn and send us over that pack, mm-hmm. we uh, we 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 are waiting with open arms. Yep. You know, I want to try the green tea Kit Kats. I want to try the you know uh, ramen flavored potato chips, stuff like that. That sounds delicious. Yeah, you know, just I want to I want to I want outside delicious. the box snacks, and we we. We, we uh, wait with bated breath um, to any of the listeners who want to bless us with that. Now, uh, Fran. Yeah. 
I know you're a busy guy, but and, and I'm sure you haven't got a chance to check it out, so I'm going to recommend it to you and the listeners. Okay. Um, there's a documentary on Netflix. It's a docu-series. It's like eight, I think it's like seven parts. I'm on the last episode now. Literally, as you walked in, I was finishing it. Uh, it's called Trial 4. Yeah. It's the story of Sha- this guy named Sean Ellis. from. Uh, he's from Boston, the Boston area, Massachusetts area. Mm-hmm. And he was wrongly convicted of killing a cop okay. in Boston. And the story proceeds as, you know, he has gotten his case taken up by like an innocence project type of person. Good. And uh, they're going through the case and trying to get him exonerated. Yeah. And it's very compelling the way that they do the artistic vision as far as they they do cartoons to show the reenactments of how they think the nights went. Mm. So they have these really cool kind of cartoon silhouettes yeah. for things. And the corruption is insane. And it reminded me of the Gun Trace Task Force here in Baltimore where it really shows you, you know, the police here in Baltimore don't know anything about the police in, in Boston. Yeah. But the tactics are so similar. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that there's corruption latent through because of the drug because of the war on drugs in this country it has created a subsect within i would say every inner, inner city uh, police unit that there's some group within those police that rob drug dealers and resell their drugs on the street yeah take the money and all kinds of yeah, it, yeah it's like part of the game yeah it's like you guys sell drugs we steal the drugs we break into your house we take the money split it up between us and you know that you know that helps us cover our pension. We work hard out on these streets. It's like it's like a bonus for us. Yeah. So so when they do that, I don't know if you had the answer to this, but when they do that, do they leave like some? They like whatever oh, well, they have. Do they leave some to, so they have the so they can arrest them? Oh well, the that. crazy the craziest thing was um, I really dove into that gun trace task force thing here in Baltimore. Yeah. And watched they have like you know the audio recordings I've seen and things that, like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean they they cut their cameras off. Had a discussion and then said, whoa, whoa, hey guys, whoa. All right, this safe has 10 grand in it. I want 10 grand in it when we bag it up and we take this guy in and da 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 da. But the safe had, say, 20 grand in it. Mm, yeah. They already took their 10 and divvied it up and cut the mics off and everything, figured out how they want to play it, and then cut the mics back on and did a performance. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure sometimes they leave something to arrest you, but other times they might just go, thanks. Don't be so sloppy next time. You know, it's some trash talk, you know, because I have to assume that they are typically robbing people that they perceive to be drug dealers. Whether they are or not doesn't really matter because they aren't prosecuting them for that. They are just robbing them. So it really doesn't matter how they acquired the money. They are now doing something illegal. Yeah. So whether or not they were doing some illegal activity to get the money doesn't really matter to me. Police shouldn't be robbing people and, and not putting the money in evidence. But... That's the kind of culture that's been created because of this war on drugs. It's us and it's them and they're bad. So us taking their money and giving it to, we work hard and we have families and we do a hard job. And I can see the mentality of a, of a dirty cop justifying what they're doing. Yeah. It's like, Oh, why should they have the money? They're, they're killing people in their neighborhoods with these drugs and this, that, and the third. I have a family to raise. The money should go to good hardworking people like us. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, they're like, you know, you know, violating people's rights and, and holding people hostage while they break into their house and stuff, you know? And they, that really was put on display at trial four. The last episode that I'm watching now is probably the, like the peak of everything. There's so many different emotional turns and you see, you know, that whole, that blue wall and the brotherhood all come together to, to, cause they, I don't want to spoil it, but it doesn't go the way you think it does. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really good show. So trial four on Netflix, I highly recommend. It's a great show. Um, shout out to Sean Ellis, shout out to the innocence project. I've, you know, 
for years I've been um, singing their praises. They do really incredible work. They have all kind of chapters all across the country, and they are doing the work to free people who are wrongly convicted of crimes. Yeah, for various reasons, you know, whether it was lack of DNA evidence, whether it was they were you know pressured by the prosecution to to confess to something they didn't do, all kind of reasons. Um, How do you pick and choose what case to to, to, to work up on? Is- I think that they have to be pretty sure that they know that the person isn't lying and oh, that, they, they, that and that they that it it is wrongful convi- it is wrongful conviction. Yeah, I don't think they would take on a case and then halfway through the 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 guy that they're um, defending is like, "Hey guys, okay, listen, full disclosure, I killed that old lady. Yeah, my bad. You know, it it has to be. We are a hundred percent certain that this person was railroaded by the system. Yeah." I don't and I, and maybe if somebody has some links or something to situations, I would love that. Actually, is fascinating to me where yeah. it's like we did take this case up, and then six months that into, had to happen. It's just uh, about an, and about an, if they go on all these cases, they had to, if they it had did to come happen. Across. I would imagine have it happen early, and then they learned. They from figured it. out, and yeah, it's yeah. like we need to be a hundred percent sure before we take up a case, yeah, because we don't want to free anybody who is guilty. Yeah, I don't think they're taking up cases of just guys being like, "It wasn't me, I swear," because <laughs> it's a bunch of those guys. Yeah. You know, so I think it has to be more than it wasn't me. I'm innocent. Yeah. You have to be, have to have the proof to back it up. Um, So shout out to uh, Trial 4. Shout out to that guy, Sean Ellis's lawyer. She really was working really hard for that guy. And um, I think people should check it out to see how it turns out. And it's a really good insight on the damage that corruption can do in the criminal justice system to erode confidence in the system being able to work for you. You know, I discussed that briefly on the story I did last week about um, the Dawson family and and, 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 um, snitching culture and everything like that. But there's some stuff that was done by the police Mm -hmm. who that put those people in those communities in a position to where they have to make a choice where it doesn't just seem so simple as we'll call the police and they'll come help us. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Trial four on Netflix. Uh, I wanted to I felt like, you know, we have to touch on a story that's really. While it's it's tearing up the internet in our neck of the woods, it's not getting the attention that it should be getting. And I don't really f- know the full story, but I just want to read what I do know. And it's the story of this guy, this little kid named Kawan Bobby Charles. Uh, his family called him Bobby. He's 15 years old, but he looks, and the kid looks like he's nine, man. He's like a little kid, right? So uh, Kawan Bobby Charles uh, is a quiet, was a quiet 15-year-old boy who loved the outdoors and his dog. Uh, the mother says her baby went missing in rural Louisiana on October 30th. That, and I, I, I think that that's significant because it's the, it's the day before it's mischief night. Yeah. You know, people, just me be, remember me being a kid, October 30th, it was like, let's go out, let's egg some houses, let's TP some shit. Let's do some mischievous shit. Right. So even though it's a, it's a quarantine and a lockdown, they had some kind of story about, uh, a, a, a lady and her son came and picked him up and you know if it was under the guise of a halloween party that whatever you know i could see why maybe kawan would have gone with these people and why the parents might, might not have been aware because it's a pandemic and you can't go out right now mm-hmm. because it, you know you can't go to a party or yeah. whatever this could have been a situation where teen teen shit um, sneak out the window, go have a good time. Because apparently what happened was uh, his mother was supposed to pick him up to get his hair cut. But he had re- recently moved in with his father. Mm-hmm. So his mother's calling him to come pick him up to get his hair cut. He's not picking up. She calls the dad. Hey, I'm coming to pick Bobby up. Can you tell him to come outside or whatever, you know? 
he goes to the door. The door's locked. He's calling for him and everything. He can't, and he's not answering. And then after a couple minutes of that, he's she's like, well, get go in there. Yeah, kick, bust the door yeah, down. kick the door down. So he gets the door open somehow because it's locked from the inside. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess the window's open and he, you know, he snuck out the window. And then, so now everybody's freaking out. On the way to the dad's house, the mom passes a police officer who she's like, hey, my son's missing. We're concerned. The cop goes, he's probably at a football game or something like it's. It's fine. He's yeah. 15, not knowing anything about this. You don't know this. Who are you to say that? Um, long story short, the police never call an Amber Alert, which I don't I don't know how Amber Alerts work. I don't know if there's an age limit. I think maybe if you're under, as long as you're under 18, or is mm-hmm. it any, I don't even know if there's an age limit on an Amber Alert. But maybe they were, I don't know what their reasoning was. To maybe it wasn't around the time. It wasn't long enough. And it's like after like 24, 48 hours or something like I that. I guess so. But the thing is, I mean, even within, it got to the point where it was three days later. And an Amber Alert was never mm-hmm. issued, you know. So there was never people, a mass alert and search for this kid. Hmm, I wonder why. Well, I mean, you know, that's why we do this podcast. We touch on these things. You know, we touch on, you know, uh, you know, if, if this was, because that's kind of the sentiment. Like, if this was John Benet Ramsey, if this was, you know, the quarterback, the, the white quarterback of the football team, the whole country would have... You know, and 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 I'm sure I'm sure I, everybody has a right to feel that way. And the pictures that you see of this little boy, something absolutely tragic happened to him. Yeah, and I think it's an absolute failure for there not to be an ambler have been called, and for three days to have passed, and then they stumble upon this kid, you know, out on in a field. Yeah, you know, so everybody wants to know. What happened to Kawan Charles, right? So basically what happened was his body, he, he went missing on October 30th. His body was found on November 3rd. Yeah, yeah. 17-year-old Gavin Irvin and, Ir- and Irwin's mother, Janet, were the last people to see him. So Gavin Irvin confirmed that he and Kawan had been together on October 30th, but said that Kawan had left later in the day. Gavin said Kawan got up and said he was leaving. Gavin asked about where Kawan was going, and after that, he disappeared. Mm. It's a very vague story. Um, it kind of reminds me of that lady that had that sleepover at those people's house. This story is reminding me of that when you when you find out there's just two people who had who were with him, and they go, "Well, yeah, we he was with us, but then he did something completely out of his character that everybody in his family says he would never do." And then I don't know what happened after that. He was dead. He died. He died. Yeah. So um, uh, the police found Kawan's body in a nearby sugarcane field later the day of uh, November third. Um, talking to the uh, talking to the Irvins. Oh, later in the day, after talking to the Irvins, the sheriff's office told the family that water was found in Kawan's lungs mm-hmm. and that he had drowned. Yeah, but the family says photos of Kawan's body show that his face was incredibly mangled. Celine Charles, a a cousin serving as a family spokesperson, said that Kawan's mother Roxanne Nelson ran from the viewing from the viewing room when she saw his body. The Post reported that in a photo of Kawan, the teen appears so disfigured that his teeth are visible outside of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like part of his lip is gone. Yeah. Uh, Charles told ABC that Kawan looks like he had been tortured. Nelson has, se- has since shared photos of his body online to call attention to Kawan's death and to put pressure on law enforcement to act. Mm-hmm. Um, no one has officially been investigated yet, but the police have labeled his death as suspicious. And I would assume they have to be looking at the Irvins and really, see, this is what happened. And, and this is what happens. Is, it, is this a black family? The Irvins? The Irvins is a, a white 
mom and a white son. Okay. Now, I don't again, I don't know anything about they're going to do their due diligence, I have to assume and hope, right? That they they're going to they're going to try to solve this case. Yeah. Now, what happens a lot is we live in this world of uh couch detectives, right? People like me, you, you know, podcasters, people that watch the ID channel, mm-hmm. we were like, "Where are the answers? Why aren't they doing this that and the third? And I was feeling that way with the Malia Bass case because it went silent. I was looking for updates every day. Did they interview the parents? Why aren't the parents in custody yet? It's clearly them. What? And what? what's happening behind the scenes is a case is being built. Yeah. Right? Now, I don't know what happened to Kawan Charles. It's possible that, you know, everybody in his family says he can't swim, but he went skinny dipping or went to go swim in the lake. Yeah. It was Halloween night or whatever. I did that. He, he just felt adventurous and went and swam and he drowned and then... The, it's, it's Louisiana alligator got to him and and, and, and bit on him a little bit. Yeah, I, I've, I've done that. Jumped in the water. Just from thought some, I can swim. On some, on some, yeah, on some old fo- jokey shit. Yeah. You're young, being foolish, crazy. It's also completely 100% possible that foul play was involved, that this fam- something weird happened at this family's house. Yep. Maybe the son and, the, and the, the, the two boys were experimenting with some drugs or something. You know, maybe Kawan overdoses on these drugs. Maybe the kid's on drugs and does something to Kawan. And they go and dispose of his body in this lake. So they he went to their house. I don't know where he went because they go. He was they were hanging out. Maybe I assume at his at their house. But they picked him up from his house. He snuck out a window to go yeah. there, and he hung out with them. And then according to this kid Gavin, he left at some point. I think something might have. This is just my prediction. It's just speculation. I, I think something might have happened that made him uncomfortable, or whatever. And he was like, "Okay, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just go." Okay. And then something could possibly they probably could have. I don't know, followed him or chased that's him the, something. That's the part that we're not going to know yeah, yeah, yeah. Until, until this case is solved. Well, they, we, are, we, they well, we should know that's figuring not, that out right now. We should know that's not going to come out because it, it ruins the case if it does. Exactly. So, so that stuff you just got to be patient on. So while people are complaining, and I understand the, the, the just the history of you know these cases not getting the spotlight that they deserve, and that picture is absolutely gruesome and horrific. Yeah. They compared it to the Emmett Till. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was it was a very disturbing image. Um I wanna hope that the reason that we're not getting more information is because the case is being built behind the scenes. Yeah. And in a situation like that, you're not gonna get daily updates. Yeah. The, the suspect isn't gonna be brought in to, because they wanna bring the suspect in when they know this is the person. Yeah. We've interviewed them, we've 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 whittled down all the possible suspects. This is the person, this is the case, this is the motive. And so we're bringing the case onto this person. We're bringing them into custody. Mm-hmm. So um, I agree that this case does deserve absolute spotlight. What happened to Kawan Charles is absolutely tragic. That photo is absolutely disturbing. But I don't think this is a case that's going to go unsolved or untalked about, not talked about, not discussed. I just think that we need to wait to see. Yeah, yeah, we need to have a little bit of patience so that they can put a case together. Rest, and I, we have to, and then if if in a couple of weeks there's still we're hearing nothing, no, it's just an unsolved mystery. Then you keep putting pressure on these on these attorneys and and, and, and these detectives and things like that. But well, I think that's where we get caught up, though. Like people, like you said, the couch detectives, we get caught up in trying to get every little piece of the story. Yes, it's not it's, that's not how that's not how it works. No, because sometimes you got to keep under wraps just in case they do bring somebody in and they mention something that they hasn't went public yet. Exactly, and that helps them out. But. Exactly. That's a good point you bring up. Yeah, you just got you got to wait on that. So I think what happens a lot is, especially um, Twitter think. I mean, people think that Twitter is the world. Yeah. So when you find about a, find out about a case on Twitter, 
you're like, oh my God, well, let me go find the resolution. Yeah. Like immediately. Oh my God, I just saw this picture. Twitter's dangerous. Where's the answer? Yeah. And it's like, there is no answer yet. Stuff doesn't work on, on your time. Yeah. You know, so I understand the photo being spread around and people are going, because it's been now, what's today's date? Should be the, I don't know. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> today's date is the 15th. Okay, yeah, so it's, it's, it's the 15th. He was discovered two weeks ago. Yeah. It, it's going to take more time than that. They got to get an autopsy. I think they're talking about doing an independent autopsy outside of Good. the, they should. And, they, and they absolutely should. And I hope they get the money raised to do all of those things. Yeah. And I hope that they com- continue to be an advocate for their child and get to the bottom of what happened to their son. Everybody else like us and on Twitter fall back, continue to, to say this kid's name and let's let the cards fall where they need to fall. Twitter's dangerous, man. He, Twitter's super it, dangerous, bro. It, it, the story gets it's, mangled I'm, up somewhere, yeah. doing a long line. And then, let me tell you, Twitter can make you have a damn heart attack. I got on this morning. I woke up. Uh-huh. First thing I do, um, since I wake up before everybody else, I hop on my phone just to see what news would happen overnight because sure. crazy shit could happen. Uh-huh. I got on there. It was a, I'm not even getting to that, whatever. But I got on there. I go to, I go to trending. Uh-huh. I see Rip Drake. I said, what the hell? And it was just like, I guess people was just like messing around or whatever. I was like, just pretending they need to not, that, that shouldn't happen. The, Twitter has been killing. That's so not like, funny. Tw- Twitter has been killing famous people for the better half of a decade or more, probably since 2009. They've killed Wesley Snipes. They killed so many people so many times, you know. That is and insane. So, but that, what that does is when somebody actually dies, you don't believe it. That's insane. You know how much I didn't want to believe Kobe Bryant wasn't dead? Oh, yeah. Was Nipsey wrong. wasn't dead? I was like, no, come on. That's bullshit. No way. No. In his neighborhood? No, no, that's fake. You called me. Yeah. No, no way, bro. No, no, it was. So, you know, you got to be careful about what you read on Twitter, you know. Um, it's good to it's good to get you the headline. For example, I saw the headline of Kawan Charles, and then I left Twitter because it's toxic. Yeah. And then I went and found an article about Kawan Charles. If you get all your information from Twitter, you get all these different people, you know, oh, yeah, and... You know, uh, they, he was. It was a satanic ritual, and when you start going into just getting the whole story from Twitter, yeah, you're gonna get all kind of crazy yeah, extra yeah. stuff that's in from other places that doesn't have anything to do with the story. Yeah. And then you go and, and spread that around, and now that's the official story. We gotta let the case play out before we start speculating and spreading things that could be a detriment to the story. I mean, to the a detriment to the actual case. So I just beg people to just keep that in mind that like. You might have good intentions, but what you're doing could hinder the case if you're spreading misinformation. Yeah. That's all I that's all I got on that. Now. All right. We got some celebrating to do because we have some more fantastic listeners who decided to jump on the Affirminator train and become patrons. Uh, up first we got Pimp Daddy T. Shout out to you, Pimp Daddy T. I like that you're adding some flair to your Patreon name so that when you get a shout-out, it feels official. You know who you are when I say Pimp Daddy T. Uh, up next, we got Lynn K. Shout-out to you, Lynn K. Much love and respect. You look naturistic in your photo, and I'm digging it. Up next, we got... I got a little smudge on my laptop. Up next, we got Damaris C. Shout-out to you, Damaris C. I like that name. It's soft. I, I, I like the girl in third grade. Her name was Eris. So I like that name, Damaris. Uh, up next, we got Mary P. Shout out to you, Mary P. Much love, much appreciation for you joining the Patreon. Hope you like the content that's on there. Up next, we got Abby. No letter, no no last name, just Abby. I fuck with that name. 
That's one of the characters on Broad City. Love that show. Yep. And Sesame Street. It's <laughs> one of your faves, huh? Abby Cadabby. Yeah. You, okay. Is that what they call her on there? I think so. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. Whenever I ask her at the end of the podcast, what have you been watching lately? You never bring up Sesame Street. <laughs> I don't watch Sesame Street. Well, you I brought that up. Stuff. Okay. Yeah, all right. Hey, man, listen. I'm not here to judge you. You watch it. You listen to it. Whatever you do. Uh, up next, we got Sweet Gossip. The okay. whole name is not available. Yeah, Sweet Gossip TV. Shout out to you. I don't oh, know if that's another YouTube way to, to... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a, their YouTube channel. Go look that up and see if that's a thing. Shout out to Sweet Gossip TV. Up next, we got Carissa K. Shout out to you, Carissa K. Much love and appreciation. Thank you for joining the Patreon. Up next, we got Kim S. Shout out to you, Kim S. I love that your last name has a Z in it. Ooh, mysterious. What is it, guys? You will never guess. Uh, and lastly, we got Shronda. Mm. That's a tough name, but I like it. That's one of those names where we talked about last oh, last episode, I think. What is that? One of those names where it's like, yeah, that, she was that's just, a name. She was that's, just born. That's 40. whatever age she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, even if you're 19, you're 43. Yeah. Shout out to you, Shonda. You got an old soul. Yeah. Shout out to you, Shonda. Mm-hmm. Shonda. Shonda gives me the she she gives me the vibe of like she's got those security guard pants on. And the, her ass is just stuffed in the security guard pants. Yeah. You know, like you'll see like a like a middle-aged security guard person and they got the security pants on. Yeah. And they're skin tight. Yeah. But you better not talk to them wrong. Yeah. They're like a TSA agent. Yeah. Where it's like, I said no shoes in this line. Yeah. You know? Well, husband come home. Hey, Sharon. Yeah. You make dinner or something like that. Yeah, that's sexist, but I fuck with it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you get well strapped. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was kind of painting her as like a, you know, an alpha female. You're oh, like, hey, okay. Shronda, where's the dinner at? <laughs> anyway, those are, the, oh, those are our um, our final uh, Patreon shout outs. And then I have one more official, uh, you know, off the record shout out. This deserves applause. Uh, shout out to Laura Atwood. I'm going to just go Atwood. She has another last name that I'm not going to mention for anonymity's sake. Um, uh, my fiance and co-host of Serial and Serial, uh, Sierra Fath, has been doing Christmas-like ornaments holiday season ornaments for Christmas trees and Laura bought a good amount of ornaments and that's greatly appreciated. Thank you for the support. Shout out to her. And you are a true affirminator and a wonderful person. Yep. So thank you. Uh, before we get out of here, is there anything else I wanted to touch on? I'm going to say no. What about you, Fran? Hmm. Let's get into it. Yep. Okay, cool. We're going to get out of here for a quick second, take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, before I get into my story, I wanted to read an email from one of our listeners because it ties directly into the story that I chose to do this week. Um, the email reads, Hey, I just listened to your episode about Brandon Tina. Uh, that was an episode that I did, um, that we did, episode 131. I did the story of, of Brandon Tina. It's called Boys Don't Cry, if anybody wants to check that out. Um, uh, she said, Thanks for doing the case. It's some of it's sort of a, a home story a lot of people don't know or forgot. Or with a lot of trans stories, no one cares. There's actually a day called Trans Day of Remembrance or TDOR on November 20th. It's basically a day to commemorate the all the trans people who die each year and gives it the um and, and lets you know how they died as well. What's really fucked up is that people see us like monsters. A lot of deaths, they'll beat, mutilate, uh, uh, beat, mutilate the face, burn, or torture us. It's really sad. I'm trans and from Nebraska and lived in Omaha, which is about 45 minutes from Lincoln. 
I used to work at uh, Platmouth, which is about an hour from Falls City where Brandon was killed. I actually know a friend who Brandon babysat when they were young. She's one of the few who knows where Brandon's buried, which I didn't even know that was a, mm. a grave as a secret or something. I don't know. Uh, in Platmouth, I was shot at and someone tried to hit me what? with a car on another occasion. Where I work, people would yell faggot around once a day. Mm. Uh, a little note. This town is pretty racist, too, and has an active KKK group. What? Active KKK group in it. And they hold something called the King's County Corn Festival. And each a festival? A fucking festival. And each one of the things is King K County with a K and Court with a K. Or a corn with a K. I think the rock band corn would probably have something to say about that. But anyway, yeah, so the King's so KKK, the King's County Corn Festival. So the KKK Festival. And that probably was their clever way of being able to put KKK Festival on a on a so this is the full-on festival, like it's, it's open. You can people just... come. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't have pictures or anything. But, but I, that's what that's she's what describing yeah, it yeah. as. Yeah, like a, a festival where a Ferris wheel is or whatever. That is wild. Uh, we called this town Platts Meth. LOL. So a little, little, a little dark Midwest humor. So where, where? I'm sorry. Where was this at? Um, Nebraska. Nebraska. Mm -hmm. That's where they have the KKK uh, festival. Yes. And, a, and a, a branch of the KKK and everything like that. Hmm. Uh, I think the reason Brandon said they were intersect was intersexed was because most people see trans as a choice where you can't help if you're in, whereas you can't help if you're intersexed. The fucked up part is they get treated like shit too, mostly. Uh, for, for a long while, doctors would just decide to change an, an intersex baby with surgery for what they thought was the best for the parents. And, and the baby without telling them. She goes, the thing is, trans isn't a choice at all. Uh, only choices I had was hiding, living with a make my day death wish, or I could be, or I could try to be who I was. Uh, the thing is, often a lot of trans people kill themselves because trying to transition is hard as hell. Part of the reason Brandon probably left her therapy was partly cost, and uh, therapy is around 70 to $80 a visit, and most insurance covers four sessions. Then you have to pay for the letters to get your surgery after about two years of therapy sessions. Also during this, you have to pay for hormones. All of this is mostly out of pocket because insurance sees it as unnecessary. Also, and here's where Trump's crap comes in. At the beginning of your story, which is on episode 31, because we asked the question about what is the, he like rolled back protections on trans people. And we go, what does that, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And she, she answers the question. So she goes, many doctors will go, will outright refuse trans patients. I used to drive an hour just to see a doctor who would treat me. And if that doctor leaves and there's no one else around, it, or if that doctor leaves, then there's no one else around. I used to get my hormones off the black market. Then you have getting a job. I've worked a lot of really bad or just plain tough jobs who could treat me any way that they wanted to because they knew they could th they could screw me with it as much as they needed to or as much as they wanted to because no one else would hire me. Thankfully, I moved the hell out of Nebraska, LOL. I actually lived in Maryland for a while and stopped through Baltimore a few times. Now I'm living close to Boston, which is eh. I have a good paying job now, but the people are all kind of uh, scary conservatives. Hope you're doing well. Sorry, I kind of wrote you a book, LOL. I recommend your podcast to a friend at work. Uh, this guy, I'm not going to say his name because it's not his letter. Uh, he's studying criminal justice in college and wants to be a crime scene investigator. 
I'm like, sweet. I got someone to talk about crime cases with. LOL. Anyway, keep up the good work. Stay safe, Tessa. Um, thank you, Tessa. I did not know that the, the November 20th was Trans Day of Remembrance. And once I read this email, I decided I was going to do a story about a trans person just to kind of further educate myself and spread awareness about trans murders and uh, Trans Day of Remembrance as well. So my affirmative murder this week is the story of Ray Lynn Thomas. Uh, it's uh, she's it's a story from Columbus, Ohio, and uh, here we go. So Raylan Tom- Thomas is described by her family as the life of the party, a performer, and a socialite. She was a trans woman living in the Midwest city of Columbus, Ohio. According to an account of of a trans woman named Lucy Diavolo, she says, "I quote." I was raised not far from Columbus. Growing up, I was terrorized and threatened by classmates for my sexual orientation. I never felt safe. And I didn't feel the laws protected people like me. As soon as I could, I moved to Chicago where I could live proudly as a trans woman. Had I stayed to transition, I can only imagine what could have happened to me. And this is in reference to Ohio Mm -hmm. and the area around Columbus. <clears throat> so here's just a little bit of um, backstory about the year of 2020 and what's been happening to trans people. Uh, at least 28 transgender people have been murdered so far this year compared to last year's 26. And this is as of August. Uh, according to data collected by the National Center for Transgender Equality, 23 of the victims were transgender women. Four were transgender men and one was non-binary. The epidemic of violence is particularly pronounced for black and Latin trans women. Raylan lived with her mother and her mother's on-again, off-again boyfriend, James Allen Bird. The two never got along for many reasons. One major reason was that James had a a proclivity for slinging hate speech in the direction of Raylan and the entire trans community, uh, which he so adamantly described as evil. And again, I'm not here to, like, cast aspersions on on, uh, Raylan's mother, whose name is Renee, or anything like that, right? You know, I have no reason to believe she didn't love her child with all of her heart and, and, and do the best that she could with not really understanding who Raylan's true self was, mm-hmm. but trying to support her the best that she could. I have no reason to think that that wasn't the case. However, I have to imagine it's pretty traumatized, a, a pretty traumatizing blow to let it uh, for a child, let alone a child in transition to feel like their parent doesn't have their back. And on a lesser scale, you were there for one of these incidences, right? I, me and my mom still, this still comes up. That time where her ex-husband, uh, he was going through some kind of electrotherapy thing. <laughs> yeah. And he put all those little diodes and shit on himself and he'd get his muscles electrocuted. And they would put the things in the fridge. Yeah. So he goes to look for the things and they're not in the fridge. And so he asked me, where are they? And you're there. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, where are they? I go, I don't know where they are. Keep in mind, I mean, what are we, 17? Something 16? like that, yeah. So, I mean, I'm almost an adult man. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. To ask me, but for what they ask, what they're asking, yeah, for yeah, what yeah. they're asking me is yeah. ridiculous. This is something you ask a, a seven-year-old. Yeah. So he asked me, like, hey, where are my diodes? I'm just gonna call use that word. And I'm like, I don't know, man. We're watching TV or whatever, whatever we're doing. And he's like, so they just they just they just they just walked out of the fridge, huh? Yeah. They were in the fridge. I remember seeing them in the fridge. 
Do you really? I remember. Where were you? Where were you? Why weren't you advocating for me in the moment? I was too busy trying to hold in my laugh the whole time. She was hilarious, man. Because I remember seeing them in the fridge. Because you had the fridge with the with the things at the drawers at the bottom. Uh huh. They were sitting at the bottom. Wow. This would have been really nice to, for you to, to hear bad. this ten years ago. My bad. Anyway, so he so now he's condescending me. Yeah. And I bring attention to that. All right, man. You don't gotta. You know, yeah. Because he goes, oh, I guess a ghost. I guess the ghost came in here, and I'm like, man, I have a car outside. Like, I drive. I'm a. I'm in. I'm a senior in high school. Don't talk to me this way. Yeah. You know, I guess the ghost came in and took the. I said, look, man, you don't have to t- uh, ghosts and all this type of stuff. You don't have to do all that. That's not necessary. Yeah. I didn't touch the things in the fridge. You know, the fridge is maybe the fridge is just so much stuff in the fridge that you can't f- see them. Yeah, you didn't say that. What did I say? You said, uh, <laughs> I didn't say. You didn't no. say the fridge is dirty. No, that's how she interpreted it. My whole point is this is this is a, this is a this is a an, you didn't an say, offshoot of something less serious than what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I just yeah. mean I'm not feeling supported yeah. by your parents. You didn't say you didn't say. No, I said like that. it's cluttered or it's, a mess. You said something. You said mess. something along those lines. I said something. You didn't along say dirty line. though. I didn't say dirty. Yeah, I said yeah. something along the lines of like maybe the fridge is like messy and yeah. so you can't see it. Well, if it's messy, if you got a problem, now my, now my mom comes out of the room. I have to assume she's heard this whole back uh, and forth that, and I guess she was staying out of it. Yeah. Now she comes and jumps on his team. Yep. So if the fridge is a mess, then why don't you clean it then? Or something yeah. like that. I'm like, what? Yeah. That might have been actually what I was like, wait, what is happening? That is what you did. I like, I was like, wait, what is, what are we talking about? I didn't, so, you know, long story short, yeah. it just, to this day, I still am like, she really like came out yeah. and, and, and jumped on my back with him. Yeah. You know? And this was about some old dumb shit. Yeah. Not who I am as a person, my identity. So my whole point in bringing that up is I can't imagine what it's like to I can I can imagine how I felt in that small insignificant moment, but imagine the person who you who birthed you and everything allowing the a person who they are laying with and and and, and letting stay in your house denigrate you, disrespect you and trash you in their house and then continue to let them go and and, and live under their roof. Yeah. I can I can't imagine what that blow feels like. To go, you're not gonna kick this dude out. You're the devil. You're evil. You should be ashamed of yourself. It's like, why are you letting this person talk to me like that? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, she did. She, so she, the, the long, long and short of it is, no, she didn't do that. She didn't. James Bird continued to live at the house. Mm-hmm. And also, I read an article just to continue along the lines of just trying to educate myself. I read an article from the Atlantic. It was written by a trans writer named Evan uh, Urquhart. And he said on the subject of transparenting, quote, if only my parents could have known and embraced me for who I am 20 something years ago, small things could have made such a big difference. If they had given me the option of choosing menswear for holidays or given me the gift of a tie and button up shirt, uh, button up men's shirts, they could have sent a signal that it was okay to be myself, whomever I turned out to be. I believe my parents would have embraced having a trans child if they had some way of knowing what that what that was and what they had. But because it was 1998 instead of 2018, which is when this article was written, their best efforts wound up obscuring my truest self, creating vast gulfs of misunderstanding and hurt between them and me. Kids today don't need to go through what I went through. To start out, they must accept the po- talking about the parents. To start out, they must accept the possibility that their child might be trans. And that they can't wish them out of being trans if they are. And nothing will turn them trans if they are not. Then they can support experiments with new, new clothing, names, or pronouns. Joining in the journey of self-exploration alongside their child. 
rather than trying to stop it or waiting for it to pass. Parents can let their child know that they will be just as loved whether they are a boy, a girl, or neither of those two. And I think that a shining example, and I feel like I, I need to talk, touch on this just briefly, is I love what Dwayne Wade is doing with his child. Yeah, Zaya I was going to bring that up. Because yeah. there's the, the only other option is abandoning your child. Yeah. Those also, are the, also Magic Johnson. And, and EJ. Yeah, Magic Johnson with yeah. EJ. Because what are we talking about? When I see people like what Boosie said or these other debates, and we can get into homophobia in the black community in a second because it, it, it all kind of coincides with everything. Um, what When I see people say, like, are you okay? Like, blog sites. Do y'all do y'all think it's okay what Dwayne Wade is doing with his kid? It's like, as opposed to what? Yeah. Shaming his child and, and saying, no, I, I, I don't want you living in my house. Get out. We don't do that shit here. That's gay. Whatever, any kind of that. Is that, that's, that's how you want this man to treat his child? You know, all you can do is be supportive of your child and, and help them along their journey. Now, I will say, and again, I, I, this is me speaking from a place of ignorance, but if, if I had a child who was trans, I would support them wholly, and, but I will not have a, a seven-year-old getting a surgeries or anything like that. I will support them in getting therapy and, 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 I, and performing their identity however they need to, and that's a decision they can make when they turn 18. That you know they can make that decision once they've become an, an adult and 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 whatever. But I don't think that a child should be going under the knife at 13 years old. That's my personal belief. Yeah. But supporting your child is crucial, and it should just be second nature. Because the, again, the alternative is get out. That's weird. That's the alternative. The alternative is this is my child. I love her. This is how she you know how she identifies, and I respect that. This is my son. I and I respect him as that. He identifies as a male. And I will, you know, and, and I will help him along his journey and get him all the information that he needs. I don't understand how that's even what is what are the alternatives? There is no alternative. You either do right by your kid or you don't. Um, anyway, so in August of 2016, Ray Lynn, Renee and James were all in the house avoiding the summer heat of Ohio. James was in the bedroom and the girls were out in the common area. Suddenly, and without provocation, according to Renee, James Allen Berg came around the corner of the hallway and fired two shots from a, a handgun at Ray Lynn. Mm. After the shots, Berg, who at six foot two, 260 pounds, towered over the slight five foot five frame of Ray Lynn, proceeded to beat her with, a, a, with any heavy object he could find, which was reportedly a scale, as she begged for her life. So he shot first. He shot first and hit her. Okay. I don't know if both shots hit her, but one at least one shot hit. He fired two. And then started to beat her. And then started to beat her to death with a scale. Wow. Renee Thomas says the last thing she heard her daughter heard from her daughter was her begging for her life, saying, Mom, please don't leave me. Mom, I'm dying. Renee called the police who arrested Bird before calling her out to talk to them. And she never saw Raylan alive again. Uh, Shannon Thomas, Raylan's aunt, believed her niece's murder was a hate crime, stating, quote, in my heart of hearts, I feel like that's what it was. She also shared her desire to see Bird pay for his hate crime, saying, I want to see him in jail forever. Uh, Renee Thomas echoed her sister's sentiments, and this is um, 
the interview the interview can be found online and this is another situation where like I'm not trying to cast aspersions but this is another situation where you go this is a little insight on what it might have been like for Raylan on a day-to-day basis even if somebody feels like they're doing their best to support in this moment and like, I don't know his parents I don't I could be wrong but I just wanted to I wanted to read it in her words so she she shared Shannon Thomas sentiments and in her statement she said what she said what she felt her ex deserves by stating Life in prison. Spend your life in prison. That's what you do. I can't spend my life with my son because you took him from me. I don't want you to spend your life with your family. Now, I felt that was important to note because they also would say they called him Ray Ray. His original, his, his, his birth name was like Raymond or Raekwon or something like that. And she would continue to call her that, you know? So she, she, she's, she's not respecting her choice of her lifestyle and also allowing her spouse to disrespect her on a day-to-day basis. Mm. So no matter how much you feel like you love a person, if you're creating a space that is toxic for their mental health, you're not doing that person any favors, right? Even if you go, this is my child, I birthed him, this is my son, and, and she's like, that's not, I'm I'm Ray Lynn. So, you know. She could have educated her, her the other guy. And that's, I'm, you actually just led me right into the whole thing. Me and you, Fran, we, we, we grew up here in Baltimore. Um, we're both black. We come from black families. We go to black barbershops. You know, we know there is, I don't, there, there's, there's going to be a lot of people that get left behind because I don't see a day where um, there's just every, everybody is not, there's no homophobia anymore. There's just some black people. And people of all all creeds and walks of life, and I can only speak from the creed and walk of life that I come from, to this day, at work, at Thanksgiving, at whatever, gay stuff makes the my family members uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It brings up debates. It sparks, you know, frustration and anger and all these kind of things. So while we can try to, you know, eradicate that with education, there's going to be some people that go, nah, man, that's gross. It's just always going to, there's, I think, I don't think that ever goes away. I think we're seeing that with racism where we, I think five years ago, I think five years ago we thought, oh man, uh, all these old racist people are going to die and then it'll be no more racism. Like, no, man, it's 20 year old racists out here. It's just, it's just, it's all, it's never going to be, we're never going to be a a post-racial society. We're never going to be a post-homophobic society. I don't think that day, that day can come. You, what we can do is try to eradicate as much ignorance as we can, give people the space and the love and the protection to live their life as, as, as authentically as possible, to be a beacon and show people, these people are not monsters. They're not dangerous. They're just trying to live their life. And I think the more exposure that people get to things like that, the more they come to a center, you know, the more they come to, at, le- at least they come to a point where they go, I'm not out here fighting for for gay and trans people not to get married. It's their life. I think that's the best you can hope for some people is that they go, their life, their business. I think that's the best you can hope for in some cases. It's, it's, but that takes exposure and 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 teaching and 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 and, and a willingness to want to learn. Yeah, with that, I think it's more scary. It's more scary when people go out of their way to do stuff like that. Absolutely, that's Picking what's terrifying. And, yeah. Showing up to things, showing up to weddings with picket signs, yeah. all that kind of stuff, because that's that's pure hate. Yeah, uh, and like like I said at the, when I started the story, 
we're two ignorant people. Mm-hmm. I don't know, other than the 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 trans listeners who we have who have sent me emails and, and, and have been very nice and explained things to me. I don't know any trans people in my personal life. I don't have any trans. Well, it's different when you're when when you're around it. If you know somebody that's a close friend, exactly that can tell you this is this and that. It's exactly. Different. So so that's that's my ignorance. Yeah. But at the core of me, I will I would never stand in somebody's way to pursue happiness and live yeah. their best life. That is that's the main point. Yeah. Well, you know what's right and what's wrong. Exactly. So I think that. I think that. I think that there's people out there who know what's right and what's wrong, but are ignorant and ignorance breeds fear. So speaking from a place of homophobia in the black community, male or female, but I just mean as just as a, as a guy who is a a black male, it's the same way. um, Sierra has a story about she was having a, she was having a work event and a, a white person saw her and it was in this whole climate and they go, you know, they said something racist towards her. Like, Am I right? And she's like, no, excuse me. My, my fiance, you know, like she told him off, but he thought she's white. I'm white. So we're on the same team. Yeah. So the way the, the, the way black dudes are to me are like, you know, if two black dudes, you're in a store or something and maybe a gay person comes and they go, man, look at this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I have to go, uh, no, I don't know nothing. You know, and just, or, or admittedly at times in my life, I go, yeah, I, I don't know, man. And then just keep on walking, you know, cause I don't even want to be involved in any kind of way. Yeah. And that's me not, you know, uh, standing up for people. But as I've st- stayed on this podcast before, I think that in situations like that, a lot of times it's like, it's like a fight or flight type of thing. Yeah. But now you it's go, judgment. Now judgment is being cast. Yeah. If you go, if they do something you don't, and you react differently than the way they thought you was going to react. They go, oh, he's gay. Yeah. And exactly. not that that's, not that that's like scary. To, I don't, I, if I was deep, but I'm just saying what they would think. Yeah. Not that I care what they would think, but that's what they would assume. Right. Yeah. So, so, and, or, and now that energy towards is maybe towards me. Now I have to like defend, to defend myself yourself. to this person that yeah, I don't yeah. know. So as opposed, as opposed to getting into any of that, I keep my head down and, or I just go like, yeah, I don't know, man. And then just keep it moving. Yeah. You know? Now I've tried to, as you know, as these times have passed, I go, you can't be like that, man. It's just, you know, like I can't be black and want black lives to matter to people and want people to change and, and, and want people to see us as human beings and stop being afraid of the black man and all this kind of stuff. And you can't be homophobic. Yeah. You can't be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Black lives matter and all that kind of stuff. But like gay people, ill, right? Trans people, that's weird, right? It just is, it's, it's, it's a contradiction, yeah. man. And I just, I just don't understand yeah. it. And I sadly, I just don't think it ever fully goes. I don't think it's ever like a day where it's gone. Ignorance, it can never really be fully flushed out, but we can make it as quiet and small as possible by exposing people to perspectives that they've never seen, you know? So s- movies about trans people, you know, movies with, with gay leads and love stories, with gay, and you see them and you. And you and, and it becomes normal to you, and then your ignorance becomes eroded because you you're, you're you go oh it's just these are just two people that love each other. So back to my story. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent like that. Um, Columbus police did not investigate the attack as a hate crime, though the city's hate crime law does include crimes based on gender identity or sexual orientation. Ohio's statewide hate crime laws, however, do not have such provisions. 
and conservative lawmakers in, in the state have spent years resisting efforts to add LGBT identity to the list of characteristics covered. I wanted to also do some research on what is a hate crime because we throw that around so much and, 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 and you know, like that's a hate crime. Oh, this is, what does that mean? And really, it doesn't really mean anything. It, it, it's only real purpose. And it might, you know, it might add a couple of extra months to it. It might add like a harsher judgment, but it's real purpose is to protect that marginalized community. Mm -hmm. So if you call it out as what it is, it brings attention to these people maybe under attack. Okay. So when you call what happened in California, when the, the, those guys like thought the girl was pretty, but then they found out she was trans. And so they not like not whatever that was, any of those kinds of situations you go, Oh, that was a hate crime. So people go, Oh, okay. That's a hate crime. And that community is under attack. Yeah. But it doesn't like add 10 years to the sentence or something like that. But this, this, uh, Columbus wouldn't, they weren't, they weren't treating this like a hate crime. Mm -hmm. In a court ruling five months later, Judge Guy Reese wrote, quote, Bird is presently mentally ill, does not understand the proceedings and uh, understand the proceedings against him and cannot assist in his defense. But he also found that with treatment, Bird could be made competent within a year and he ordered Bird committed to a mental hospital. Now, I wasn't able to find a court ruling on Bird, so I have to assume he was he just stayed in that mental hospital uh, where he remained until his death on May 31st of this year. Mm. I don't really know what he died. I think he died of natural causes, maybe heart disease or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, rest in peace to Raylan Thomas and rest in peace to the more than 30 souls we've lost this year to trans violence. I encourage everyone on November 20th to go out and, and, and really make an effort to go out of your way to learn about a person's experience who's trans, you know, read a story, read an essay, watch a YouTube video and um, take time out of your day to acknowledge that these people exist and deserve space and love and protection as they find their path through life. Like I said, once again, rest in peace to Raylan Thomas and thank you to Tessa for your email. It really, uh, um, it inspired me to go out, you know, and, 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 and do some research and learn more than I knew yesterday about, about um, trans, the trans experience. So I appreciate that kicking the ass for some education. And um, I think you can, t I think you can take that as a win, you know, like your email definitely motivated me to learn about the, learn more about the trans experience. And I don't know, I still don't know shit. Yeah. But I, I once again, hope that people will grant me the grace and the space to be ignorant, fuck up, say something the wrong way and just check me with love to make me a better person because I come with good intention. That's always, I want people to know with this podcast, it always comes from good intention. Mm -hmm. We didn't go, we, we don't have a degree in shit. We dropped out of college. I don't have a sociology degree. I don't have a black history degree. I don't have a degree in fucking anything. So I'm not going to say things right, but I, anything that I say, I'm saying with the hope that it is going to change somebody's mind, change somebody's perspective and make somebody want to go do the work. Cause I still have work that I need to do. So I hope people that can, I hope people can just accept that and appreciate that from us. And like I said, just give us the grace to fuck up and become better from that fuck up. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. Welcome back. It's my turn to go. So my affirmative murder this week is an unsolved mystery. Um, you guys know I love those. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can hear that. Oh. <laughs> At least I can hear it. <laughs> Shout out to Coffee Crisp. Roman, thank you for the, the, cof, the Coffee Crisp. Come Delicious. On. Yeah, mm, Unsolved Mysteries. Yes, we know you love also, uh, Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> so this one is about the St. Louis Jane Doe of 1983. So here we go. On a brisky Monday afternoon on February 28th, 1983, in St. Louis, Missouri, two rummagers went looking for, a, looking for scrap metal for their car in the basement of an abandoned apartment building. I don't know what kind of uh, parts of stuff they were looking for. Would you have an idea? Of? Stuff to sell. That could be a product of, of addiction. You know, like looking for copper, looking for... But he was looking for stuff for their car. One more time? <laughs> Two rummagers went looking for scrap metal for their car in their basement. Uh, they weren't looking for scrap metal. <laughs> That's the story they just told. Yeah, they were looking for <laughs> scrap metal to sell. Uh, scrap metal for their car in the basement of an abandoned apartment building, which has long since been um, bulldozed, located at 5635 Clemens Avenue. One of the individuals pulled out um, his ladder to light his cigarette, and that's when they stumbled upon a gruesome sight. There was an African-American girl estimated to be between the ages of 8 to 11 and approximately 4'10 or 5'6 in height. She was wearing a blood-stained yellow V-neck sweater with no tags and she was positioned face down with her with her pants and underwear removed. Um, her, head, her head had been decapitated and mold was growing around her neck. There were two coats of red nail polish on her fingernails, on her fingers and her hands, on her fingers, and her hands were bound um, by the wrist with red and white nylon rope. When homicide detectives Joe um, Bergen and Herb Riley arrived at the crime scene, they initially thought she could have been um, she could have been a prostitute until they, you know, I guess um, not. I guess I wonder why that is always the first thought that she could have been a sex worker. A sex worker when but, they when they come that, across a body that has no head. Well, not just that. I think it's the abandoned building part and that there's sexual contact. But still a, but, not that that was consensual sexual contact. Right. I just mean they took her somewhere secluded, you know, and, and I think it's just I think it's just an easy um, initial guess to make for an investigator. They, like they start there and work their way through it and how it's not that. You know what I mean? I don't I don't I just don't like that. I get it. They they've probably come across stuff like this all the time, or maybe yeah. it when they do come across stuff like this, it it is they're right. Yeah. But for them just to throw, I just don't like it being that. The, that's the I get they. That's how that's maybe how the process works in their yeah. job. I just don't think it should be. That's to be the first thing they throw out all the time. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's on the list of three things that they initially. I get, thought. but that's not how would we. How would I know they're reading a, reading an article true. and that's the first thing? That's the only thing they said. That's true. Um. So yeah. So uh, the first thought is that she could have been a prostitute. Until they um, examined the body and realized the victims hadn't the victim hadn't gone through puberty, mm. they determined she was beheaded elsewhere, possibly by a large carving knife, um, because of how cleanly cut her head was removed. Mm. Due to the lack of blood and um, due to the lack of blood and was subsequently discarded at the at a later time, they did find some traces of blood on the side of the walls leading to the basement that indicated she had been she had been carried. Her body brushed against it during the process. Mm. An autopsy conducted by um, Mary Case from Le- from St. Louis Medical Examiner's Office showed she had been raped, and her cause of death was a was by strangulation, three or five days prior to being being found. Oh wow! Yeah. 
So as for the child's head, it was never recovered despite an ex- despite an extensive search from Jerry Thomas and Frank Booker. That's uh, that's pretty creepy. How they don't they even they never head, found the head. They never found the head. Just I nobody think, even I, knows. Well, I mean that. Yeah, I mean that makes me think that this person is very. Um, that was a very intelligent move by the killer. Yeah. Because there's no dental records, no yep. facial recognition i mean you know there's no way to identify the body really yeah so but that could have just been an accident but you gotta you gotta give a person the benefit of how just how dangerous they could truly be yeah because then that's the move of like a serial killer yeah just get rid of the head and don't even know who the person is or face or whatever um so this hindered the investigation because dental examinations couldn't be provided no a facial reconstruction through forensic technology programming the investigators um, scoured the list of all children at the surrounding schools, but everyone was accounted for. They proceeded to look through the database of missing children, yet there had been no reports of a young child matching her description being um, description being missing. And she was ruled out as being five possible victims of, ra- of ranging from several states, including a Jane Doe from uh, Northampton County, North Carolina. At one point, detectives sought out assistance from a group of psychics who performed. This shit is crazy. They sought it out. Listen to this part. Uh, uh, at one point, detectives sought out assistance from a group of psychics, a group of them, who performed a seance. No. Herb Riley gave them photos of a of Jane Doe's fingerprints. Um, uh, as they passed a uh, as they passed the photocopies around. What year? What do is you this? think? This is 1983. What do you think the conclusion that they all came with, like they all agreed on, this is um, where, they sh- where they should do? What do you think it is? Just, just give me a guess. They all agree. They, it's, it's a group of them. That they, so let's what say, they should do next? No, what they, what, what, yeah, what they should do next or where should they look? Now, it's a group of them. I don't know how many, but I would assume it's more than three uh-huh. or a three exactly, whatever. But they all agreed on the same thing. Oh, um. <laughs> What city? What? What? Where are they? This was in uh, uh, St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, um, I don't know, like a, a local lake. So they agreed upon they. The craziest part is they all was like, "Yep, yeah." They that. just looked just all nodded. Yep, yeah, I think I, 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 I got the same feeling. Yeah. So they all so they passed around photocopies around. They all had the same of conclusion. the fingerprints of the fingerprints. They don't have a they yeah, don't have a face, even, yeah. so they don't have a head. Um, they all came with the same conclusion. Conclusion is her head, her head would be located on a boat in the Gulf of Mexico. On a boat. On a boat in the Gulf of Mexico. And he should immediately contact the Coast Guard. And they this, all agreed on that. They this. all agreed on that. Okay. <laughs> so this was. Um, he should contact the, the Coast Guard and say what? Stop any boats? I don't know. That's a crazy <laughs> phone call to get. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh. So this lead was pursued in depth, but it proved to be a bad, uh, uh, a dead end. I can't believe they they called they sought out psychics. Yeah. Yep. So Jane Jane Doe was uh Kate, Jane Doe's case quickly turned cold, and after ten months of um exhausting all possible leads and nobody coming forward to claim her body, which is wild. Yeah. Um. She was um, buried in December of 1983 at Washington Park Cemetery and. Berkeley, um, Missouri. So 10 years later in 1993, investigators, this shit is wild too. 10 years later in 1993, investigators mailed, they mailed 
her blood sweater, and the nylon rope that that bound her hands yeah. to a psychic re, uh, a psychic residing what is, in Florida. What is up with these people? For further analysis, but this was a fruitless endeavor because the evidence was lost in the mail delivery. So now you can't even test that for DNA evidence now in 2020. Wow. I thought that's what you were saying. Like in 1993, they shipped it off to a lab. No. <laughs> wow. They shipped this to a psychic, a, a psychic, a Florida psychic, a Florida psychic, and and the evidence got lost in the mail. Wow. Um. So in 1996, the original homicide detective Herb Riley passed away, and Jane Doe's case was one of the two cases he never solved during his tenure with the um, police department. I mean, he tried so hard with all these psychics. I mean, he probably spent a lot of money on psychics. I mean, like 99 cents a minute to call a psychic. Yeah. But for you to mail the evidence. That's stupid. That's so dumb. That's crazy. Not and, and t- because you if you if you send I have to imagine like as a cop to a lab, it's like certified mail. Yeah. Like you're guaranteed it's guaranteed to get there. But do they do they mail it or it's like it's, it's probably it's, shipped it's, like on a truck that works for the lab. Exactly. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to mail something to somebody in Florida, you probably like had to take that to the post office. Wow. That's crazy. You ship DNA evidence to the to a Florida psychic? Yeah. So 20 years passed by, uh, and in June of 2013, investigators were able to ex- um, exhume the child's remains with the hope of gathering new forensic evidence by modern advancement made in um, science and technology. So now we're in, t- we're in 2013. The sweater would have been great for that. Yeah. This, pr- yeah. Uh, this task proved difficult because the cemetery should have been buried... The, t- the cemetery she had been buried in was unkept. Hmm. Surprised. Okay, Appeared long forgotten. Her grave was unmarked. Hmm. I wonder why. And many people were displaced displaced because of the insufficient care with the burial records. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um. Anything about that? You have any? Uh. I don't. What? What? What, what am I supposed? What? It sounds like a poorly managed grave graveyard. That's what it sounds like. Sure. What's what's the conspiracy there, Fran? I don't know. I, I I have no idea. I just don't. All these hmms and everything. What what I'm what's not, the meat? I'm just not. Su- I'm not there's surprised. No, there's no there there. I'm not surprised. But but not not surprised. People because... are dis- people are displaced because why? Because they ain't there. Maybe. Possibly. Graveyards, man. I tell you. Anywho. With the help of willful, uh, willful volunteers and various resources, Jane Doe's remains were unearthed and transported to the St. Louis Medical Examiner's Office, where researchers found, or, I'm sorry, where researchers from the Smithsonian Institution um, and, and University of Tech, North Texas uh, recalibrated bone sampling of and minerals, which is a, um, a stable isotope analysis is what they used. Uh-huh. Now, isotopes, I just did some research on that. So isotopes are different forms Different forms of the same chemical elements that can be measured accurately and compared okay. for forensic purposes. Isotope ratios of different elements like carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen, and hydrogen will vary will vary based on a person's exposure to, envi- to environmental factors such as drinking water and nutrients in the food. Mm. Therefore, isotope ratios can be used as molecule signatures to reflect an individual's habits and daily exposure to the environment. What would they do with that information, though, if you know that she doesn't drink a lot of water or, you know, eats a lot of cabbage? Um, so he did that to attempt to narrow down, narrow down her native origins based on the water she had drank. 
Wow. The testing revealed she had spent most of her life in one of the numerous northeastern states, including Georgia, Mississippi, Arkansas. I know it's Arkansas. I like saying Arkansas. <laughs> Texas, Tennessee, Florida, Louisiana, North, and South Carolina. That does not narrow it down even more. <laughs> hey, look. They don't have a, a sweater because they misdelivered in the mail. Um, I don't know what they use. Maybe they use USPS. Probably. Uh, <laughs> Sick burn on your, uh, on your own phone. Well... Uh, I'm not going to speak on that. Um, they don't have so that the the sweater had they, the blood they just, samples. They just were it was a, it was a hail mary. Yeah, they the rope could have had some type of DNA evidence on it. Finger, you know, skin. I don't know whatever they use. That guy went to his grave, and he didn't have a head. Def- There's no head. defending shipping off DNA evidence to a psychic in Florida. He thought that was a good idea. That just and also the conspiracy theorist in me just makes me feel like. That is, they they got rid of evidence. Like, it makes more sense that there's something nefarious, like a, a politician killed this girl or something, and they got to get rid of the evidence, as opposed to a an elected, not an elected, but like a detective for a police department tried to get psychic help from a person in Florida, and so they shipped DNA evidence. Yeah, I don't. But also in 1993, maybe you don't know it. You don't even know DNA. You don't know it's DNA evidence. You're just like, this is the sweater. Also, it's like when you think about it and you break it down that way. Uh-huh. Okay, you ship it. You don't know by who, how it was shipped, um, how it was packaged. Yeah. Um, if it was like priority or it was like, this is important. Some yeah. type of who. Ha- it, somebody. Ha- it, somebody has it. <laughs> it didn't just disappear. It's like, who ha- It's like, where is it? That's where the that's where the that's where the mystery comes in. That and where where's the head? There's no head. Where we don't know that we don't have the head. We don't have the sweater now. Well, at this point, I mean, the head's probably so decomposed, but it's not much. It's probably just a skull at this point. But where they never found. But it. where is it though? Yeah. yeah. Like you said, that's the mystery. Where is the head now? Where is the sweater? Also, there's no family members coming out saying, "Oh, we had a a missing child, a missing child." But that's the thing. If they cross, if they cross state line, they don't know who this person is. This could have been a situation where they took this person from Texas and came to Missouri. Yeah, you know. So even somebody in Missouri going, my child's been, my daughter's been missing. It, they they don't know. They can't identify. You know. I mean, God forbid. Best case scenario, which again we we'll never have. They go. I bought that yellow sweater. They bring a person in to identify a headless body, traumatize that family. And can never really even give them the answer whether it's it really is their kid or not. But there's, but there's nothing coming up saying leads coming up where yeah I have a missing I have a missing African American yeah. child. Nobody nobody has come. Maybe I don't know. But I'm from sure what they I have read, a list of missing kids who maybe don't fully fit the description of the body they have. Nobody came out and was like, oh yeah, my daughter has that same sweater. Maybe they didn't release the picture of the sweater. I don't know. I have a, I have a what do you oh, mean? Oh, you have a picture of the sweater? Yeah, it's a picture of the, it's a picture of the sweater and the rope. Oh. Yeah. Um, they, so they decided to go the psychic route. Yeah, didn't work and lost evidence. Very important evidence. Yes and yes. So um, though new scientific testing provided a glimmer of hope to the child's to the child's case, the police say it's um, it's rather unlikely she will uh, properly identify unless someone comes forward with vital information. If any light can be shed on this de- on this devastating tragedy, it would be the nickname she was given, which was Hope. 
Um, that's the nickname they gave her. Hope Doe. Hope, Hope or Little Jane Doe was the two nicknames she got. Um, her reburial and um, Calvary Cemetery on at West Florence Road in North St. Louis, North St. Louis, Missouri, um, funded by the nonprofit organization Gardens of Innocence, which I love that name for um, a cemetery. Uh, yeah, Gardens of Innocence. Yeah, are um, they for like people who? I, that's un, how. Unsolved, that's that's how unsolved murder. That's how I looked at it. Even if it's not, that's yeah. how I picture it. And that's, that's how. A, that's a that's a beautiful um, sentiment. Yeah. Sure. Um. So. So it was an organization called um, Gardens of Innocence where the plot of land is regular, regularly, regularly maintained. Sorry. Oh, so you don't have an issue with this cemetery? Uh, No, I don't have. It's maintained. I don't. Maybe. I, look, I think all all cemeteries are, are BS. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, they are. You know what? I went to, I go to my brother's grave every year, right? Uh-huh. So I go, every time I go, something new, I go, some people visit him, his wife visit him, or whatever. Something new. Oh, at the grave. At the grave, at the gotcha. graveyard. So I go there, and it's like, I don't remember this being, the, I don't remember this being the spot where my brother was buried at. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> it's like I've never said this to anybody, uh-huh. but I go, I don't think this I don't is think I had to walk this far. Are you saying like that? Like, yeah. Oh. I don't think this is the spot. But you know, it's <laughs> nothing I can do. I don't know who am I. I'm going, I'm going to complain. They probably think I'm fucking crazy. Yeah, like, uh, no, it, it is. Sure. That's what they're going to say. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Next time you go, drop a pin. Drop a pin? Drop a pin there. Mm-hmm. And then if you go. Somebody might pick it up. No, I mean drop oh. a pin on Google Maps. Oh, okay. Got you. Yeah, you zoom in and you drop a pin right where you're standing. Yeah. And then next time you go, check where the pin is. Okay. And if you're standing away from the pen, you come here, you blow the whole thing up. You blow up all the cemeteries. You come here, use your platform. They moved my brother's grave. I dropped a pen, and then you you know you write an article for the Baltimore Sun. Yeah, that would really prove your theory. Really, you were saying you don't feel like you say like, I don't think it was here. You drop a pen, and you go back the next time. If your pen, you go look on the Google Maps, and you're not standing where the pen is. Theory proved. Well, somebody that studies uh, uh, location and geography on our country should be like, well, you're, the numbers and shit, the uh, what is it latitude, called? The longitude. latitude longitude is wrong. The phone is the phone is not accurate, and it's like now it's like I like an idiot. <laughs> you're not yeah. standing in the same spot. You're arguing with yourself at this point, man. I don't know. I try. To, <laughs> you just you just refuted me trying to help you solve your prove your point. I'm just saying, man. I don't. You can't go fight something. You need to look at all aspects of what you're arguing. Cause somebody can poke a hole in that, then you you like okay, well. I've not felt like on several different occasions I've poked holes in your grave, so in your graveyard theory. So what you're saying is well, you're not a professional, so I'm not listening to you. That's what I try to tell people every time they turn this podcast on. <laughs> they keep leaving us reviews and shit, telling me how I'm not a professional and you're not a professional. Okay, well, you're I'm not a professional on, on uh, graveyards. I'm not a professional. Man, you throwing me out? You throwing me on my story? My bad. Yeah, this is not about. Uh, my facts of um, burial grounds. Okay. It's your world, squirrel. So overall, the list of suspects was unfortunately very short. With the lack of evidence from her murder, finding a person of interest was difficult. Mm-hmm. The authorities suspect, suspected a family member may have been involved due to, the, due to the no reports of a child being reported missing. Mm. But considering um, they were unable to determine where she, wa- where she was from, 
The theory was uh, hard to substantiate. However, there was one suspect caught. There was one suspect that caught the eyes of the investigators. Vernon Brown uh, was born October 1st of 1953. He had a very troubled upbringing and suffered from excessive physical abuse from his grandfather. He dropped out of high school, uh, dropped out of high school. And in 1973, he was convicted of molesting a 12 year old girl and subsequently spent four years in the Indiana prison. After his release, nine-year-old, nine-year-old Kimberly Campbell disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Mm. She was later found raped and strangled in a vacant residence that was owned by Vernon's grandf- grandmother. But alive? Uh, no. You said strangled. She was strangled, yeah. Okay, wow, okay. Um, though he was considered the prime suspect in the case, there wasn't enough evidence to charge him with the crime. Mm. In 1985, Vernon relocated to Enright Avenue, in St. Louis, Missouri, living under the false name Thomas Turner, where he was where he was living with his wife and stepchild. At approximately three three o'clock p.m. on Friday, October twenty fourth of nineteen eighty six, he had just arrived home after picking up his stepchild from school. Afterward, he sat outside um, on his front porch, watching children walk. Um, oh, that's gross. Oh, um, walk home after being dropped. Now it's gross when we know what kind of dude he is. But you just think a guy sitting on the porch. Yeah. You know, you don't pay any mind. Exactly. He lives there. We see him all the time out here. It's whatever. It's gross, man. But we don't know what's going through his mind. We do. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, now, but you don't know what's going through his mind. Um. So, yeah, he's on his front porch watching children walk home after being dropped off from the school bus. That's when nine-year-old Janet Perkins, a bright young student at Cole Elementary School, was walking to her home a few blocks away, excited for the weekend. Vernon took notice and lured lured her into his home. His stepchild saw her come inside. He ordered them into um, their bedroom bedrooms and locked the doors from the from the outside. Now this is the stepchildren. He locked the stepchildren into the into their. They room. have locks on the outside of the doors. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So Vernon led Janet down to the basement where he bound her feet and hands by using a wire coat hanger. Moments later, he began to strangle her with a rope. Vernon's stepchild could hear her screaming and pleading for her life as her voice echoed through the air vents. Thereafter, he discarded her body and went on about his day as if nothing ever happened. Which is, whenever I hear that, that is nuts. Yeah, like just like... You just go out and like, okay, well, it's like... what? <laughs> gotta go get the milk from the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that is... That's crazy, man. It's, soci- it's a sociopath. It's, it's a I'm person. gonna rake the leaves. Yeah. Well, you just murdered somebody. You just murdered a child. Yeah. So following the uh, the following day, the police discovered um, two trash bags containing Janet's body in the alley behind his residence. So he just it was just whatever, just threw it um, in his backyard. Uh, So two days later, on Monday, October 27th of 1986, the police arrested Brown and a relative of the neighbor testified. And a relative of a neighbor testified on his behalf, saying they witnessed Janet enter his home. Throughout questioning him by detectives, he confessed to murdering murdering Janet on the videotape. Surprisingly, he admitted to murdering 19-year-old um, Sinetta Ford one year beforehand on March 7, 1985. She was found strangled by an electric cord and stabbed multiple times in an apartment basement where he worked as a maintenance man. So in a basement. Yep. At the time, authorities arrested him for the murder, but he was let go after he gave homi- he gave homicide detectives a false alias. 
They let him go. Let oh, him go after the, after that murder of that girl in the basement. Yeah, because he was the maintenance worker. Because he was maintenance worker, and it, he, okay, gave, okay. he gave him a fake name. I thought you were saying like in this interrogation room. No, 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 no. Oh, got, no. Okay, got you, got you, got you. Because he confessed to it, but yeah, yeah, at yeah, that yeah. time when he did that, he got away. He got like, away. Got it. While he was in prison in Bone Terror, wait, what? While he was in prison in Bone Terror, Tom Carroll, a homicide detective in St. Louis, frequently visited and questioned him about other possible murders um, he may have committed, particularly about the young Jane Doe found in 1983. Brown never confessed to her or anyone or anyone else's murder. However, detectives believe he could be involved with at least 20 unsolved homicide cases, but they don't have enough tangible evidence to conclusively um, prove their um, stance. On Wednesday, May 18th, 2005, at 2.35 a.m., 51-year-old Vernon Brown was executed by lethal injection. His last words were, you'll see me again. To all my friends, don't think of me as being gone, but they're with you. No. Yeah. And to Jazz, who has my heart and love, peace, love, Vernon, Vernon Brown. Um, so if he ever participated in any of the murders, he took those secrets to the grave. Jane Doe's case um, has never been solved and is one of the is one of that haunt is one that haunts the original and current investigators. But as long as her case stays in the light, as her nickname given by the police suggests, there will always be hope. I mean, that guy sounds like a very likely candidate. Yeah. Um, From his M.O. to his tactics, I have a hard time believing he killed less than five people. And you only told me about three. Yeah. So, um, so he might be connected to at least 20. Yeah. And he, then he changed cities. He's using different names. This this guy sounds like a seasoned killer. Yeah. Also, if he is connected to that, um, why would he tell them about Sonetta Ford? Yeah. Like, why why he picked that one? I'm, I'm, I'm just saying if he is connected to... Yeah, you're saying like he, he confessed to something. Why wouldn't he just? Why did he only pick that one? Why he picked? Why he picked her? But that could have been one that meant a lot to him. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you know, the, uh, but I'm still want to know the reason. Even if it is, I mean, I want to know. Well, you, what you the never reason. will. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. So um, I did go. I did try to look up to see if anything recently happened about the case. Uh-huh. So the head of the St. Louis Metro Homicide Division, Lieutenant Scott, um, said little Jane Doe was found with red polish on her fingernails, which makes him believe she was well cared well cared for. Mm-hmm. He still believes that someone knows something. Sure. An eight, nine, ten, or eleven year old girl doesn't go missing without people taking notice. Sure. We are now thirty seven years later, mm. and I think if anyone was reluctant before to talk, um, to talk, now is the time to come forward. Is what Scott said. Yeah. If anyone knows a little girl, maybe a family member who they suddenly lost track, suddenly lost track of and disappeared, we want to know. Um, we are interested in anything. Scott said they Scott said they haven't gotten a worthwhile tip in the case in 10 to 15 years. But now is the time for detectives, the department in St. Louis to name Little Jane Doe and her killer. Uh, so he was just saying if you have a tip on the Little Jane Doe case or any other cold case, you can call the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department Homicide Unit. That number is 314-444-5371. So, um, there hasn't been any updates on the case. Almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. Um, was over 20 years. I thought you said 10 to 15. Well, oh, 30, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right, right. Yeah, you're right. Um, 
That's what I'm saying. Like now, yeah. That's I know it was so long ago, mm-hmm. but nobody there's. Well, that makes me think that that the the either that guy did it or family members involved. Yeah. Is my is my opinion because of what you just said about man. It's been 37 years since this happened. Yeah. Now they're still looking for tips. Haven't gotten them since they started asking for tips. Haven't gotten a good tip in 10, 15 years. Have made a plea to the public and nobody's gone. Oh yeah, my daughter disappeared. My cousin, whatever. Yes, I'm saying no sib like no siblings. Yeah. No siblings. Uh, no parents. No grand. No grandparent. No nobody. Might, might, might be a family member involved. But how? But how do you? But like what? The what whole is the, fam- But that's your assumption that she has an extensive family. Tree. That's what. I, but I, that's yeah. That's what I mean. But yeah. maybe I'm thinking like that, and maybe she doesn't. That family wasn't close. It was yeah. just. But like nobody. Nobody. Weird. Very strange. That's um. Especially if they're if they if 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 in the St. Louis in the Missouri area, they are making pleas and. Who knows how loud those pleas could be, but I have to assume this story made some kind of waves where it's like it's not where it's not just that there is family out there and they never knew that they found somebody with a yellow sweater and red and red fingernails. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they like that. They never heard of it. I find that I don't know. I, I think that that's kind of hard to believe. But again, they could not be from Missouri. So if the story just stays local and it's just some Missouri story for the last 37 years and she's from Arkansas, that family in Arkansas is just like, well, I don't know. I think she got kidnapped. Even if it is, if it's not in Missouri. But I'm you, saying. You're saying they can't, they wouldn't be able to. Um, but I'm how could they assume that that's their kid? If they don't live in Missouri, they're not getting, the, they're not, they're not even hearing about this body and that people are asking for tips and stuff. They just think their daughter in Arkansas got kidnapped or something. You know what I mean? Because then you now, if you take it to Arkansas, you got to go. Now you're putting that person in a pool of thousands of kids okay, who yeah. disappear okay, a year. And they go, you. okay. if, if you're yeah. if you're saying it could be somebody in Arkansas, it could be somebody in Texas and yeah. and where, where, wherever you know. Like if you take it out of the out of the state, then you got a whole bunch of people saying, "Well, it could be my daughter. My daughter's 11." And I get that, black. but if you don't have a head, you got to throw out a, you got to cast a wider net. But if those people never saw their kid again, no, you don't. So if those people have nobody, they go, "I don't know." My, I don't know where my kid is. Then that headless body could be their kid. That could be anybody's kid. I don't. I don't. I'm not believing that they don't. They didn't get any leads from. They narrowed it. They tried to narrow it down from the from the the test they had. And it sounds like you, you named like 15 states. It was like five. I get it. You over exaggerating, but it was like five. I'm saying it was more than five states, man. No, it wasn't. It was like five. You named like the whole East Coast. It was not. All right, my bad. Split, <laughs> split, split the diff. But. Yeah, you don't. You already don't have a lot to play with. You don't. You don't have a lot to play with now. So sure. why not just start start with all those leads? Why not? Because that's manpower, money, funding. Then you then you go into a whole different conversation. See, that's they don't have the manpower to like do a Cinderella slipper type situation with a thousand parents. Yeah, that's of missing kids. You know, they don't have the funding to do that. Yeah, or it's not sadly not that much of a priority for them to even do. Ten, pick ten people. Why? Because she's black. You said it. I didn't. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe. So that was the story of uh, St. Louis Jane Doe. Hope. Hope. I rather call her Hope. Hope Doe. Um, I think that dude has something to do with it. That's. I mean, that is the number one suspect for me. 
Especially when you told me about the girl in the in the basement. Yeah. Because this girl was found like in an abandoned building basement type yeah. of situation. And he those, bound those he bound people. those other two victims that he had. Yeah, and strangulation can, yeah. can the strangulation is can lead to decapitation. Like that that can be an escalation that he did. Yeah. But they do have a picture of her hands bound. They do have a picture of the sweater, the blood stained sweater and the rope. Yeah. But they no longer have the blood stained sweater or the rope. Or the rope. And it's somewhere. Maybe this maybe this this podcast spreads the word. Somebody says, Oh, I, f- I have a sweater. Like, you can't say, Oh, I have you can't just come out and say, Oh, I have a sweater. A bloody it's a bloody sweater. <laughs> it's a bloody sweater. Yeah, you can't just come somebody out. Somebody threw that away. If that went to the wrong place, somebody threw away a bloody sweater. Or not. Actually, I don't know. Would you call the police? Would I call the police? If I found a bloody sweater? Yeah, like if somebody mailed you a bloody sweater. Yes. Well, well, hold, hold, let me throw this at you because you, you work at the post office. Do you get in trouble for opening up somebody else's mail? Because it's not, it's not but why would you, you. Why would you open it up? Because you're like, ooh, there might be money in here. I don't understand. I'm saying if if, if a package comes to me, it's, it's, it's labeled to, you know, Kevin Johnson at in some other different part of Maryland. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, but it might be like, a, you know, a Versace shirt in here or something. I don't know. And I open it and it's a bloody... Jacket. Okay, I'm confused. So, but I'm you saying, get a you get a package. I get a package that's not addressed to me. Not I'm delivering to my, it to you. Doesn't matter. It just is that it's my mailbox. I don't know. It just showed up on my doorstep. No, you don't open it. It's not yours. But so so you're saying there's still some package floating around unopened. Somebody has opened my mail before. Yeah, I'm not. So people yeah, open sure. mail. They don't act like that's not a thing that happens. Yeah. So you open the mail thinking you might have just came up. Somebody, you know, somebody accidentally mailed some Urban Outfitters close to your house. Yeah. You open it up and it's a bloody sweater. Yeah. But if you call the police, do you get in trouble? Because it's not addressed to you. You open up somebody's mail. That's a federal. That's a federal offense. It's a federal offense. But if it's evidence of something, a, thing, to a crime, yeah, a murder, they're not. They're not worried about that. Okay. But do you think that makes somebody hesitate and calling the police because they go, "Oh, should I open this person's mail illegally?" But it is. Uh, blo- but it is bloody evidence. Do you think? That, do you think one? Of, do you think the opening the mail circumvent? Do you think? Do you think a person who wants nothing to do with anything just because you think? Me, right? Yeah. Now, we do this True Crime podcast. I probably am in a different mind state than I was maybe five years ago. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let's say me five years ago, I'm here playing Xbox, chilling and stuff. Somebody drops off, the post office person drops off a package. I open it up. Oh, man, shit. Okay, somebody. Yeah. Who but knows why, what could be in here? But why would you open it? Is my question. What, as opposed to what? It's not yours. It's not It's not addressed listen, to you. Listen, man, we're playing the moral high ground okay. thing. Say I, that. Understand, I understand what you're saying. I'm being nefarious, bro. Okay, gotcha. I, I understand it's not the right thing to do. But something came to my house, and I'm like, shit, I mean, I don't know. You never ate somebody food that got Uber Eats to your house by accident? No, that's never happened to me. That's happened to me on a couple of different occasions. So, and then what am I supposed to I didn't call the Uber Eats people. I'm supposed to just call the <laughs> restaurant and go, hey, man, somebody dropped off some food here to me that I didn't ask for. No, I'm eating that pizza. Okay, what, now what if it was a bomb? Oh, I don't know that, though. I'm just opening it thinking it's like a fancy jacket or some sneakers. But, if, but my point is, if you open that bomb. I'm calling the police. It blew up. You open that bomb. Oh wow! Okay, you threw a different scenario. Okay. You open so that I bomb. Died. You died. Why? Because you opened mail that wasn't yours. Okay. What does that have to do with the look, evidence part? Look, my, okay, look. My point <laughs> is, what is he? What are you point, talking about? I'm just look, man. I mean, I was in the post carry mind, but listen. Okay. My point is, <laughs> my, my point. Teach me a lesson about opening mail. <laughs> my point is, I wouldn't if if that happened to me. Because your whole thing is, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go along with you. you're saying. Well, I'm that, going, the evidence can still be. Out I'm there. going. I get that. I'm going with that. I'm saying if now, if I open the package where and I get this bloody sweater, now I don't want to be. 
I don't want to be the person they I'm looking they looking for like oh you have the sweater so I throw it in the trash you that's my trash? whole point that's my whole point that was what that was what I was getting at. Me I know, five, I'm, me I'm five just, years I was ago. Busting your balls. I'm just yeah, saying. I open that. I go. Oh, yeah. sh- oh, whoa, a bloody sweater. Yeah. Nah, Trash. Nah. I don't want to even. Mm. Uh, now I touched it. Yeah. Because I don't know if some detective dumbass mailed it to a psychic. I don't know that whole part. Yeah. I just go. Somebody. I have bloody a bloody sweater. My fingerprints are on it now. No. Trash. Take the bag out of the trash. Double bag the bag. Trash can. And trash day is going out. Not if you're in Florida. I wouldn't. I don't. I wouldn't think of it that way. If you, you think Florida people are like, yeah, the third bloody. No, I don't think. Week. I don't think that. But I'm saying, you, <laughs> you live in Florida. I mean, ma, got another bloody sweater. Just like that's just typical. I just, I don't know. It's a lot of. It's a lot of stuff I would have to think about, man. You got if the, it's Florida. You got the. Re- no, I'm just saying. Uh-oh. If I'm getting a box with a bloody sweater in it and it's addressed to somewhere in St. Louis. Uh huh. No, no, it's addressed to somewhere in Florida. It's from St. Louis. I know. Uh-huh. That's what I, okay, that's what I meant. If it's the re, if the sender's address is in St. Louis, uh-huh. I will go. It's, there's no way they can connect, they can connect me to that. No, that really? Yeah. No, that's not what so I'm thinking not, at all. You're not calling the police. I'm not thinking about. Oh well, it's got a return address that's not mine. So clearly they know. Go watch trial four. Go home and you saying that. Go home watch trial four. Watch long shot again. Come on, bro. Yeah. We do this shit too much for you to say that. It couldn't possibly. They couldn't possibly. I'm trying to pin this on me. No, that's the first thing I'm thinking of. They're not. I've I've reluctantly not given my DNA to 23andMe because I'm scared a Q-tip with my DNA yeah, is going to end up on some dead white girl. Yeah, but you didn't. You didn't. You didn't walk past it and find it. It was mailed. It was mailed to you, and it just, you just me somebody no, just misdelivered it to your to your address. Me no, me no care. That's different. I think it's different. Me no care. I think it's different. I think it's different, man. I'm, I didn't if it popped up, it. if it was, if it popped, if it was dropped on your step, and you picked up and went, what the fuck is this? I'm throwing it away. I don't want, I don't want anything to do with that. But uh-huh. if it was mailed to your your house by accident, there's no way they they're gonna pin that on you. They mailed it. They, they the police department mailed it. I don't, come on now. But you're saying I don't know any of that. I'm just speaking of in the moment, bloody sweater in hand. I go. Man, oh wow, bloody sweater. Maybe I can help solve some kind of crime. Yeah. Let me call the police. What you no. putting it on and stuff? No, I'm oh. saying I'm saying I'm not interested in doing anything revol- in- involving the police if a bloody sweater opened the package up and it's bloody clothes. Oh no. This is I don't want to be involved in this. I just want to think Whatever that, this is, I don't want to be involved. I just I just want to think that somebody would do something good and call the police. If well, they again, let me let me just I want to add my stipulation. Me now, podcast host extraordinaire, you know, us doing big things. Us talking to people, learning different stories, growing as people, and everything like that. If a bloody sweater was mailed to me now, knowing the things that I know, I would call the police. Okay. Me, prior to doing this podcast, not wanting to no be parts. in any mix of anything, I'm throwing that in the trash. Double bagging the trash and putting it, I'm driving it to a dumpster as well. Oh, okay. I don't even want it in my trash. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking it to a public dumpster where it can co-mingle with other people's trash, and then it's out of my hands forever. Are you putting it in his own separate bag? No, no, no. It's going, oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Because then, yeah, they're like, oh, it's a bunch of Rice Krispies wrappers in here. Or mail. It's mail ooh, with his address. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. See, got, friend, you, you then, oh, yeah, I rip up my you mail. You think. Ooh. You rip up your mail, you throw it in the trash with Damn, a whole bunch of other trash. Yeah, you just threw me a curveball. Now curve they got ball. you. See, I, now, now I did something suspicious, and now I'm going to jail. Because yeah. <laughs> they go, why would you throw it away? Yeah. And and then hide it. In the dump, uh, yeah, now, now I did something suspicious, and they got my uh my bank statement and you hold, the sweater. You all... 
me trying not Confused to get caught and trying not to get caught trying to do all this worse. Th- now you didn't throw it away put it in the bag mm. your address is in there mm. and they got you now your hands is all over it mm. and if I would have just called the police from Jump Street see mm, wow there's a, there's, a, there's a metaphor there about just getting ahead of it you know a stitch in time saves nine they say cause you go I gotta throw this out let me just throw all my trash out yeah all together let me just give it all the trash all I, got these, I got these chicken bones in here stink I need mm. to throw all the stuff away DNA on everything they find me immediately. There's a bloody sweater. Who is this? Oh, no. Okay, listen. Somebody <laughs> mailed me a likely That's story. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, true. Yeah, that's a fair point. No, that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, you look. It's done. It's a wrap for you now. They're like, we don't know who this sweater, we don't know who you killed, but you killed somebody and you're going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now they got you. Now they got you on some yeah, shit. Okay. Now, like. Yeah. We, they somebody ma- no, we ain't mail nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we ain't mail nothing to nobody. <laughs> now they got yeah, you. Yeah, you get evidence on all everything. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you gave that time, you gave yep. that detective time to not look stupid because some detective from Florida called him and like, check this out. Yep. Hey, what's up, Davis? We got some dumbass here thinking that a detective in St. Louis is dumb enough to mail yep. d- DNA evidence to a psychic in yep. Florida. And he, he goes, there, no oh, yeah, what? Why would a detective... No detective from my unit here in St. Louis would ever do something so dumb as to de- mail uh, DNA evidence to a psychic. That's crazy. Yeah. It, it didn't come from here. He's a liar. Boom. Got you. Over now. Now, now he gets just, to save you face. Just some, and- you just some innocent man that opened a package that wasn't yours. Did, you should have called the police, but you didn't. Try and get rid of your name. You won't be connected to it. Now you're connected to it. And you falsely arrested for a murder that you didn't do because you opened a package, you put your handprints over and throw it away. Which, which, which your mail that you ripped up in the bag with chicken bones and shit in there, and yeah, DNA evidence. And you sitting on a you sitting on a bunk in the, we did in the all jail, that. In the jail we cell. did all that to get arrested. To get arrested, <laughs> and you sitting in the bunk telling the jail telling your bunkmate that same thing, and they're just like, oh yeah, yeah, me too. I'm innocent too, man. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and now you got to sit in jail for 15 years till the innocence project comes along and tries yep. to get you out. Yeah, man. Yeah, and well, that's maybe about like what twenty years? Yeah, well, you've been waiting around for a while. Hopefully not. The Innocence Project is doing very good work, and they yeah. they get on it fast a lot of times. Yeah, but sometimes you know people spend forty years in jail. Yeah, and you know maybe you should have just called about that bloody sweater in the first place. You turn me around. Think wisely, man. Yeah, think wisely. Think wisely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what we're gonna do is we're gonna uh, jump into these good vibes, though. Welcome back, people. It's time for our good vibes, a good vibe segment. So my good vibe this week is about the Mississippi voters exchange old Confederate themed flag for a new design, a new design flag. Mm. I want to know what I want to know what went into the the voting. Um, I guess they vote on stuff like this to change sure. the flag. Is that how uh-huh. that works, or like? Was it was it majority of people was like, oh, we should change it, or oh, it was, or it was like contentious this force like. this force thing was like, oh, we just need to change. This. I I think they voted. I think Haley Williams came out and goes, I don't even know how this is still the flag. How is it still a flag? Shout out to Haley Williams also for yeah, being, you know, you know. But how was that still a flag? Oh, tradition, you know, some something that they, what is it? Heritage over hate, you know, so it's not, it's just what Mississippi is. We don't, we don't look at it that way. It's just, this has been our flag and it, and then people were like, no, this is racist. So it, it, it shows a representation of the whole, the state. Yes. Like, what do you mean it's not? 
Yeah. That's how we look at it. It's not about, you're not in this closed box. Yeah. It's just y'all. <laughs> and we just look at this. Everybody sees this flag. Yeah. Black people see this flag like, oh, I'm not, I won't be, I, I don't have any reason to go there. Because I won't be going there. Yeah. Um. So while the world waits to hear the main um, result of the U.S. election, we already know uh, the results of that. Mm-hmm. Um. Here's uh, some good news for Miss- from Mississippi. Yesterday, residents of the uh, Magnolia State were voting not just for their f- uh, favorite party. They were also asked to approve a new flag. Local lawmakers vowed to replace their Confederate Confederate theme flag, state flag, mm-hmm. in late June. From there, more than two thousand design ideas were submitted by Mississippians. Isn't it like the Confederate flag is in the corner? Like it's it's no. like subtle, right? Yeah, like like the American flag where the stars are. That's yeah. where the Confederate flag is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that little box. Yeah. Um. Uh, they said the rules. The flag could not have Confederate imagery on it and the words and God we trust should be featured. Now, I would assume that at some point, I know they said that the Confederate flag can be in it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was a, a rule they put in like after like five, after like 50 ideas came up. Yeah, like, okay. When people start throwing like little small flags in it and shit so like what that. If, what, if we, what if we make all the, we, okay, we put the stars from the American flag back in there but then each of the stars is a little Confederate flag. No! It, <laughs> it'd be different, it's a whole bunch of different variations of that. Yeah, until they went, it can't it, be in it at, at all. all. <laughs> not, no, at all. It right. can't be in it even a little bit. So the majority of the Mississippians voted yes to the gold, blue, and red design. You you can see they have a a, a new flag. Does it look so good, or is this like a Washington football players type situation? It, no, no, no. That dude, actually, actually, that dude, like Dan it. Snyder or Quinn Snyder, whatever that dude is, that that's a big fuck. I mean, fuck him, but that's like that's real. That's like high level dickhead energy. Yeah, that is like uh, is it's it's. I respect how fucked up it is. Yeah. Like, oh, y'all complaining about how offensive it is. There is no name. We're just yep. the football team. We're just the football team. So the flag is like they have it's red on the left, far left, far right. It has these uh what is it is it gold or yellow? Uh so it's gold stripes. Okay. Going down on both sides. Sounds interesting. And the middle is blue. Okay. And it has star and it has a flower. Okay. A white and the middle is yellow. And then it has uh stars going around the flower. Sure. And in the bottom it has um in God we trust. Okay. It's the flag. Sounds interesting. Yeah, but it, it it's far better than the damn. That's the whole. Flag. That's the whole thing. Like a flag doesn't necessarily need to be interesting. Yeah, it just doesn't need to be super fucking offensive. Yeah, you know, because most flags you just go, yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's just whatever. You know, I think Maryland has the best flag, state flag. I like uh, the anybody. colors and everything, but I do think that um, the Maryland flag is is rooted in some kind of um, Confederacy type of uh, is designs. It? Yeah, I, I could be wrong about that, but there is like an X on the flag or something. I can't think of the Maryland flag right now, but I I do think that the Maryland hmm. flag might be. Um, rooted in in some kind of um, uh, lending itself from the conf- confederacy design. I okay. could be wrong about that, well, but never mind. it is it is a cool looking flag. Yeah. You don't think about it because it doesn't look like it, right? But I think it might be like the sneak the way that one of the one of the people in Mississippi were like, "What if we do a confederate flag, but it's you know purple, blue, and yellow, and yeah. it's not the I think I think the Maryland flag might be like that." Is it like one of those? What's one of those pictures where you where it's like? It looked like bullshit. You look at it, but it's like nothing until you got to you got to stare really at one soon. one little spot and, and you then can it all see comes it. together. Yeah, that's the, that's the, yes. the Maryland flag. That's the Confederacy angle in it. You got to look mm. at it. You got to look at it. One eye squint, and then the other one's closed, and then you start. It, 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 um, it calls you the N word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so from here, the legislature uh, will f- will formally enact the design into law during the 2021 legislative session, and the flag will be seen flying at public buildings around Mississippi. 
shortly after it when people are going fuck that flag yeah here's my flag this is th- what they say this is my flag is what they hold the confederate flag yeah that's not my flag yeah this is my flag they walk around with the confederate flag well you gotta think yeah. about how, how how fucking demoralizing that could be you you know you're fighting for your life maybe you're unjustly or justly fighting some some petty charge right yeah and you go to the courthouse and there's a confederate flag waving over the courthouse yeah like you have no you it's, can't it's, feel it's, like you're gonna get any similar yeah, it's, justice saying, it's saying you don't have a chance yeah that's what the, it, it, that's what it's saying yeah um, but I'm glad they're doing that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, well, awesome. And I have another thing. Sure. I have a thing about this thing about people having flags on the back of their truck. <laughs> it's really ugly. It, for one. it bothers it's me. It's so ugly. And I just think people are douchebags that have <laughs> huge flags <laughs> waving on the back of their truck. What's the point, man? Like, why are you? Why? I don't get it. You're American. Okay, fine. Yeah, it's great. America. I love America too, but man. But why do you have a big flag on the back of your truck? I, I'll go as far as to say I also don't like people that have the little flags of the football teams that they're fans of on the sides. You don't like that? No, those little pin, those little things. Yeah, you don't like they, that? Those little ones? No. I think like... anything that you add to your vehicle like that is it looks ugly and it makes your car look bad and, and yeah. it makes it look um tacky. What? But a big giant flag yeah. also is like the super tech. I get doing I get doing that if if they win a championship. You do that. You put it up there for a couple days. Sure. Fine. Ah, all right. Or you do it on the day they play. You know what I like? Fine. Vanity plate. Okay. Put the thing of the thing around the around the license plate with your team. Okay. That's that's, yeah, that's, that's a nice subtle, subtle way yeah. to do flags waving in the wind and all that. I don't like it. I don't like that. I don't like nuts hanging from trucks. Uh <laughs> and the back. But the biggest, the bi- a big giant flag of anything, if it, even if it's a team flag, I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Just fl- waving around, it's a distraction. Yeah. The, Why, nut, what the nuts thing don't bother me. Uh, that doesn't bother me. It's just so tacky. You don't like it. <laughs> no, I don't like it, man. Why do, Your truck has nuts? What does that mean? <laughs> they badass, man. But so that's, while that's we're on the subject, I, the, the little kid pissing on shit is played out. I don't like it anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, the sticker. I know yeah, I hate that sticker. It's 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 been twenty years. Move on to something else. Yeah, I don't like it anymore. It's have you seen all the different variations of it? No, like one pissing on the BLM. Oh, oh man, God, no, yeah. I didn't see that. Oh what? Oh, Jesus yeah, Christ! No, I didn't see that one. Yeah, move on, man. It's good vibes. I'm sorry. Um, uh, my good vibe story is about a little adorable boy from Fort Wayne, Indiana, whose dream is to one day work at Best Buy. Okay. Okay. So um, this little boy named uh, this little boy named Parker, his goal is, is to someday work at Best Buy. Parker has autism and has always been a huge fan of anything that involves electronics. Mm. He loves TVs, DVDs, computers, and everything about the store, his mom said. Uh, Buckholtz is their last name. That's his, his mom. Said she emailed the store asking if she could buy a shirt from... This is how I feel about Trader Joe's. If she could buy a shirt from them... For Parker to wear on Halloween. I also reached out for Trader Joe's for the same kind of acquisition. They laughed me off the phone. Mm. Like you gotta put in you gotta put in at least 40 hours here yeah, to, get, can't give, to get to get Trader Joe's merch. T-shirts. Yeah. If anybody used to work at a Trader Joe's, you have a Trader Joe's hoodie. It, I really want the hoodie. I don't want the I don't You want, can't just buy from the like they don't have a, a site or something you could just go and you gotta work I, there. I haven't, been able to, I haven't been able to find it. No, I think you just That's get exclusive. Yes, yeah, it's, it's super exclusive. It's super yeah. exclusive merch. Um Anyway, so she reached out to Best Buy. They said yes, but only if they could make a night of it, right? Mm-hmm. So three staff members, uh, Israel Molinar, Jennifer Bow, and Tristan Wilkinson, stood waiting for Parker to arrive at the store. They all had masks on, and they said, "When we, when we," she said, "When we arrived, they gave Parker his own personal shirt and mm. name tag and let him pick out whatever he wanted." 
he then had to scan everything because he has because he was the store worker. Yeah. So he's he, he rang himself up and everything, mm. you know. Um, uh, Buck Buckholz posted a series of photos and videos to her Facebook of the staff helping Parker shop and letting him scan his own items. And um, I just think that it's beautiful. I always hear all these stories about you know um, little kids. Like there's a story of a little kid who was a big fan of the Garbage Man. And then her, the mom went out and talked to the garbage man. And then the garbage man was like, okay, so when we come drop the garbage off, we're going to get off. They gave him like a little toy garbage truck. And the little kid knew oh, his shit. name. Hey, hey, Frank. Yeah. Like, the kid was so excited to see this. Was the garbage man black? I think so. I think I remember and that. And they gave him a toy garbage truck. I saw another one about a UPS worker. Like these kids just yeah. get infatuated with yeah. these, these like everyday mundane jobs that people don't think about. And they're like, that guy's the coolest person in the world to yeah. me. And they really made this kid's day. And, uh, you know, I, I hope Parker gets to work at Best Buy someday, man. Why not? The Geek Squad or something? Yeah. Um, the, um, the mom said, Christmas came early for this little boy. And we are forever grateful for the memories made tonight. Um, and they have all kind of pictures. I'll show you. Turn, turn the laptop around. They were hanging out. Ah, you know, that's dope. That's him big. Yeah, yeah. It's hang, you know, but it's got his... his <laughs> they made him a name tag that says Parker on it. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah, so just... That's dope. I, Last week, I said a lot of things about going out and being the change you want to see in the world, going out and make a difference where you can, go out and, and, and use whatever energy you have post-election to make a positive change in your in your community. And these people getting this random phone call. I've been, like, I used when I used to work at Abercrombie, and when I never got some fucking phone call that was like, hey, uh, my daughter really wants to work at Abercrombie someday. Could she, like, fucking shadow you? Fuck off my phone, man. I got a whole bunch of shit to fold back here. But... <laughs> I know what the situation could be. At any point, you got a whole bunch of fucking shit. You got to restock and everything. And somebody's calling. It's like, I don't know, lady. Get off the phone. You know, it could be, it could just be the wrong moment. But this lady calls and is like, hey, listen, my son, he really likes working at, he really wants to work at Best Buy someday. Is there any way I could like buy a shirt? And they're like, can he buy a shirt? Bring him on down. Let's make a whole thing of it. Yeah. Like they really did this really beautiful thing for this kid right around Christmas time. You can see how happy he is. He, you know, he definitely snuck himself some Skittles. But, yeah. you know, when you got them baby teeth still, you can fuck those up, get cavities yeah. on them, and just pop them out when, yeah. you know, and a new one will grow in. I don't, We don't have that fortunate uh, ability anymore. So, Bronwyn, you know, you really put us in an awkward predicament because if I get some cavities because of this delicious Canadian candy you sent. It's all, I'm eating all this. I don't have other teeth coming in. No. That's it. I got to get caps now. Buy some. Get some veneers up in there. I could, yeah, I can get the uh, Kit Cuddy's. You know, Kit Cuddy got the. Do we? Yeah, he got the he went he went full on. Mm, I hate I, when, I hate when celebrities do that. It looks crazy. I didn't know that. I didn't even know until you just told me. Like, so yeah, I like you got a whole bunch of um, what's the uh, the trident? The little the little uh, white hard square gums. Yeah, you got a whole mouthful of those. Mm. I hate when people go too go too big. Yeah, is it? But I want to know. Medium. Get I want to know. I want to know if it's, is it different? Is it a different feeling? When you, it's not your teeth. Oh, is it probably. Like, I mean, they're, I mean they're fake. You just gotta get used to it. Yeah, mm. I, I bet it feels like you have no, you know. You can't feel. It yeah. probably feels weird to chew with things that aren't naturally from you. Yeah. But it can look good if you do it right. If you go too big, it looks crazy. But you laugh and it's just all white, white. and big. Yeah. And it's crazy. Anyway, shout out to Parker, man. Uh, adorable kid. I'm glad he got to have a beautiful day of um, scanning toys and going to Best Buy. And shout out to everybody that worked at that store for making that happen. That's really cool that they did that. And uh, shout out to Mississippi for uh, getting their act together in some kind of ways. I'm yeah. sure it's still... A little odd down there in Mississippi, but you know, progress is you know is, is a slow moving train. You know, you got to be happy with the progress that you get, and and you know, and just you know, keep pushing forward. Yeah, and, you know, one step at a time. Incremental yeah. change is sometimes the way. It's the only way to get it done. Um, but uh, any as far as that, what did I, did I, recommend, I recommended trial four. Mm -hmm. Um, 
uh, I've been reading I've been reading a book called Zealot about about cults. Mm. You know how much I love cults. And then yeah. I found out that the young lady who does the podcast, I mean who does the who wrote the book also has a podcast called Zealot. I can't remember her name right now, but she's like Australian. Okay. She has a great voice. She's very funny and witty. Yeah. So I haven't listened to the podcast, but the book Zealot is great. So I have to imagine the podcast Zealot is also great. Yeah. Uh, you still listening to that <laughs> the, the uh, workaholics guys podcast? Uh, yeah, That's, yeah. But to piggyback on do on Walmart, shout out to them. Well, no, it's Best Buy. Oh, I'm sorry, Best Buy. Shout I would out to never them. Shout, I would never do a story about yeah. Walmart. <laughs> you sure you said Best Buy? I could have sworn you said Walmart. If I said Walmart, I didn't mean to. If anybody oh. thinks I've been talking about Walmart this whole time, it was a Best Buy. Oh, I Walmart would never do this. I could have sworn you said Walmart. They would but, spit on the phone. Yeah, maybe I missed that. But anywho, uh, that's shout out to them. Uh-huh. It's been times where I had kids. So they be like, I want to be a mailman. You know what I say? What? No. Stay in school. <laughs> Stay in school. That's been another episode of Affirmative Murder. Uh, this has been your co-host, uh, Francis Levins, joined by the best host, I think, in podcast. Oh, man. Come on. Alvin, Alvin Williams. Um, again, what, what is it you say? What is your favorite line? Uh, be or do something that you want the world to be. Or, or be the change that you want to yeah, see. Yeah, there the you go. Um, he said it best. Catch y'all next time. Deuces. Deuces, deuces as well. I say I'm saying his thing. Deuces, guys. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.